Okay. I think we have everything ready for Megan's surprise party. I think. Okay, we have the balloons. Hardy has got some snacks going. Uh, Noah brought in Pin the Tail and the Donkey. Uh, Patrick is going to be here in like like two seconds with Megan in tow. We need we need to hide. Okay, quick, quick, Jet, turn on the turn off the lights. God damn it! What? What do you what What do you want? Are you Are you freaking kidding me right now? We need to go over this one more time. Before she comes to the door, they're gonna come in here any second. And Megan, it's for her freaking birthday, guys. What? Okay, 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 okay. Just we're, we'll go through this again one more time. So, just I guess all of these warnings and crap. All right. So I, the Dub Talk podcast, it, it, we could contain language and content that may not be suitable to younger audiences. So, I, I, listener discretion is advised. Just stay behind. Down, down. Um. Also, if, in case we do spoil everything, so in case you haven't seen the series Asteroid in Love or any other anime series or films or anything like that, stop it. Um, just please use caution in case while you're listening to, to, to everything that's happening here. Uh, and finally, okay, Andrew, seriously, you need to put down the chips. Like, stop. You gotta hide. Um, and, and finally, and finally, um, Pinned Expressed uh, may not may not uh reflect the uh entirety of the dub talk podcast as a whole uh, okay all right i hear them they're coming surprise happy birthday megan are you freaking kidding me jackson you were supposed to be here like an like an hour ago to help us set up what the heck Oh my god, I guess we gotta reset everything before they get back. We gotta be quick about it, though, because they're gonna be back here any freaking minute. Uh, I guess, um, afterwards we'll just enjoy everything that's happening. Alright, enjoy, enjoy. Good evening, all you bright-eyed stargazers, and welcome to Dubta, the place where space is the place, the sky is the limit, and nothing stops a pair of lesbians from finding a shooting space rock. I'm your host, Macho Man Randy Megan, um, <laughs> and tonight, okay. and tonight we're here to talk about the one place that hasn't been <laughs> spoiled by capitalism: space. With me tonight, I have. <laughs> As much as I love the Tim Curry one, the George Decay, you are made of stupid is my actual favorite now. That's good reason. <laughs> anyway. That's a hell of a uh, way so, to start this. <laughs> welcome to the Dub Talk Earth Sciences Club, where tonight I, your host, Macho Man Randy Megan, will take you on a stargazing journey and a sparkly rock gazing journey to bore to the heart of the dub of Asteroid in Love with my scientific crew, Dwayne the Rock Noah. So I, I want to get a song stuck in everyone's head who is of a certain age here. And but to do that, I'm just going to say the asteroid in love will take you on a journey, a never ending journey, a journey to the stars. Now, everyone who's seen Galaxy Express 39 is like, son of a bitch. Hi, guys. So not me. <laughs> We've got Jet Cena. It's I had a smile, but welcome to the chat. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was trying to think of like a quick space thing, and that was the first thing that came to mind. <laughs> I'll allow it. And we have Steph Flair. I don't have a space joke. 
Instead, I have cupcakes. Because <laughs> it's November, bitches. And <laughs> look, I know we're here for a different reason. But we're recording this the day before my birthday. So oh, fuck. Your birthday is tomorrow. <laughs> my birthday's tomorrow. <laughs> do a birthday episode. I did not. Well, yeah, do a birthday episode. But you're the one in charge. So. <laughs> yeah. Tonight, we are not here to talk about the one thing I wish Noah probably wishes we were talking about. Want to be strongest in the world. Tonight, we're here to talk about... <laughs> A wholesome, wholesome experience about looking for rocks on the ground and in the sky, learning what makes the stars flicker, and really, really wishing that Japan wasn't a bunch of cowards and would let women kiss. <laughs> tonight, <laughs> Susu says here. yes, Japan. Susu says, we are here Japan. tonight. For Steph's 31st birthday. Yes. Right. <laughs> well, and not really. My... This is mostly for yours, but not me. <laughs> but mostly for my 30th birthday. As this will Happy be going birthday, up on November bitch. 19th, and tomorrow will be November 20th. And I will be probably either at Anime NYC or drunk in our Airbnb, making them watch something Woody <laughs> Entertainment, read chat, sort out online, chapter 16 and a half. Listen, no, we still also, no. have, we, we still also have the blind. Not again! Page. We still have the blind date with Nick Cage to do, too, you know? Oh, we do have- we can do that on Friday. Um, but anyway, we are here tonight to talk about Asteroid in Love, the 2020 series from Studio Dogakoba, which, per Funimation's Back of the Box, get a heartwarming glimpse into how friends and fate can help you achieve your goals. Reunited in high school, Mira and Al are bringing their passion for astronomy to help the Earth Sciences Club help fulfill a childhood vow, and that is to find an unnamed asteroid, which is really, really hard as we come to learn. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but along the way, we'll encounter rocks, maps, lesbians, lesbians with bread, climate change, <laughs> climate change awareness, meteorology, 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 boring, children no. using... Senku's worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Did I mention lesbians? No, you didn't. And, are there lesbians in this? And oh my god, there are lesbians? <laughs> and illegal uses of bunny suits. <laughs> <laughs> Let's wait for that one episode. Well, <laughs> they also have the maid outfits, so. Of course, you can't have that. You can't have a cafe. It, it's a rule in Japan, actually. They passed it uh, last year. It says not allowed to run a cafe that sells sweets and goodies without putting your servers in maid outfits. What, they're boys? I don't care. Put them in maid outfits. It's a rule Hell yeah, now. man. Cross-dressing. Like, if they're a girl, not? put them in a butler outfit. That's hot. Um, they, they, did mean, that. they did that with Suzu's sister. <laughs> they so. did that in the show. Good job, Meg. So, yes. You live up to the Meg, the Meg line proud. Anyway, tonight we are here to talk about the dub of Asteroid in Love, which was produced by, which was commissioned by Funimation but produced by their partners over at Okatron 5000. You know, the guys who are known for making the other space series. For dubbing that other space series. That oh, has um, a lack... That You know what? No, I can't say it has a lack of lesbians. It does have them. It's just the, it does have them. It's just the people who watch that show are cowards and would accept them. Yeah. <laughs> How dare. Fair. How dare! <laughs> Look, I get some people don't like to eat kale and cauliflower, but they might go great together. And not with cabbage. 
Especially yeah. undergrown cabbage. Anyway, Pokatron, <laughs> they do Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball Z talking stuff. <laughs> um, it, they are in charge of the drub of Asteroid and Love, which the I would drub? also like to point out if I caught, if you did catch it in the credits for anybody who were, uh, was using the home video release version of it, which I was. Um, they actually said it was at Okatron and various uh, other recording studios because this was recorded during the pandemic. Yay. Yeah, so there was some remote work going on here. Yes. Uh, but let's get in right into it. Let's shoot right into it. Get our little tiny telescopic <laughs> gazes. Space pun, space pun, space pun, space pun. Uh, first up, <laughs> we, have, we have our... No space core, not now. Space. space. Uh, starting with there's our... no aliens. But the cake is not a lie in this one. Exactly. <laughs> Very true. Anyway, our director is one Mr. Raleigh Pickens. Our assistant director is Stephen Hoff, and our writers were Emily Neves and Jessica Cavanaugh. Raleigh Pickens, you'll know, is the director of series such as Moriarty the Patriot. Yay! Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm obligated to get excited. All right. Steph, Steph, please yes. keep your scone dry. Um, I will do my best, but I, uh, but I have to dish. The, I might have to dish the tea. So. Oh God, I'm getting Shimonetta flashbacks. <laughs> I haven't even seen Shimonetta. That's never uh, a bad thing. I know it's not. No, it is when you're. I mean, it depends on what part you're thinking. Are, are you thinking of uh, the pen? Click, no, click, click, I'm click, thinking click, of something click, worse, and I'll explain it after because I don't want to have to make Jamal edit that out. Um, <laughs> he's also done Tamayomi the Baseball Girls, and of course that small independent anime that nobody has ever ever heard of, Dragon Ball Super. Uh, his assistant Stephen Hoff has done series such as Fuck You Light Night, Fuck You Light Novel anime titles, Log Horizon Destruction of the Round Table, Soccer Wars the Animation, and Wave Listen to Me. Our writers, Emily Neves, uh, one of our writers, Emily Neves, she'll have known for her work on Classroom of the Elite, Planetarian, and Fairy Tale Zero. And Jessica Cavanaugh has worked on series such as Island, Soccer Request, and Stars Align. So. Yay. You know what? No, you made a noise first. You get to go first. I, I was I saying yay because there's a lot of titles that you listed there that are really good. Um, as a, just a bonus. Oh, uh, yes. Quality <laughs> anime island. Yes. That was, oh, that was God. the best show that came out that season. I only watched one episode and that was like, nope. Oh, you, um, you missed nope. the time travel and the titties and the So I missed a normal PA. The... So, so a stereotypical PA works show is what you're telling me. Unfortunately, well, no, so. The main I, girl I, doesn't have like a debilitating disease. Oh, wait, that's just that one guy. I don't think, yeah, I don't think that's what PA Works had in mind when they started out on such a strong foot with stuff like Angel Beats, but that is unfortunately the reputation they've got now. The thing I wanted to point out, though, was um, I'd never really heard of Raleigh Pickens before, like his name. Uh, so I went to look through his credits, and one of the first, like, oldest things I saw in here was he's been in the game for a long time. Not necessarily yeah. uh, in just ADR directing, but mixing, like, uh, behind-the-scenes stuff. One thing that really jumped out to me, he has been doing this since the days of Midori days. He was a mixer on that classic show. I am not surprised by this. <laughs> that surprised surprise me, but that's, uh, that shows me how um, the people behind the scenes who, like, we don't usually mention their names, we definitely should recognize them because there are amazing people doing mixing. Yes. Do, yeah, doing the leveling, just doing the kind of things that we never see get credit for, so... Good job on Raleigh. You were doing amazing work all the way back in the Bush administration. 
Listen. Listen. The, the engineers make your shit sound good, so... Yes, <laughs> I would also like to point out that Raleigh also was the mixed engineer for the show. Oh, yes. Okay. Interesting. I missed that credit. People double duty, basically, then. Yeah, because that is a big task. Um, so as far as the actual directing on this, like, um, well, what, what can I say about Asteroid in Love? What can I say about the show as far as the directing goes? So, like Megan was saying, this is a Doga Kobo show, who are, like, the people who make super cutesy girls doing cute things, uh, sometimes uh, in a work environment, like in New Game, and other times in uh, more risque endeavors. This is definitely on the cutesier, innocent side of things. You got people, you got lots of girls in a girls-only astro club. Science major people, I gotta freak out Earth over this. sciences. It's Earth amazing. Sciences. I, I've never, I'm sorry, I've never seen a show that not not just like have people who are interested in geology and space, but also it takes the time to explain a lot of the things to everyone. Yeah. Um, like to the point that I have to wonder if the show got like funding, like the original Japanese got funding from the government. So this could play on like uh, educational hours, like the way that PBS has to have education in all their shows. Did they Maybe. get money for that? It's a little too short for that, so I doubt it. I, say, it's based off of a manga, so it's possible, yes. but I doubt it. Yeah, if, if this got two cores or something, I could maybe believe that, but it's one, so I'm pretty sure it was probably just a regular late night thing. That's a good probably. point. Yeah, if you're going to invest in an educational show, you're going to want to make it a little longer than that. That's fair. But how did Rowley and team direct this? Um, so the thing to point out about the show is that uh, these characters are incredibly goofy, but also incredibly sincere about their science. These are a bunch of nerds, and they are the nerdiest moe blobs you have ever seen in your life. Nerd! And, and I mean that in the finest, highest possible compliment possible, because they are in good company. We, the people who are recording this podcast, we are nerds. And no, you cannot deny that. You're a nerd. Nope. You're a nerd. You're especially a nerd. So this spoke to me. This spoke to me on a personal level. Aww. It's <laughs> very so, and it's kind of an interesting balance because um, Moe arch archetypes, like the original Japanese archetypes, are, you know, higher voiced, cutesier. It, like, it's got a unique sound to it from Japanese seiyuu that doesn't always translate well to English voice actors. So the direction that was given to all these characters was they have certain characters who mock the material. And most of the rest of them, though, are very sincere. And when someone's not making a snide comment they're directed to be incredibly friendly and sincere sounding. And we'll get to all the characters as we, you know, get to them. But uh, I didn't really hear any, like, off-directed lines in all of this. Like, everyone maintained their characterization, and it was clean, polished, and just adorable. Like, I can't stress enough how incredibly hot cup of cocoa on a rainy Saturday afternoon, adorable, this show was directed. Is that all? I was trying to think like um, how do I how do I work like ease into the writing portion of it here because so in turning this into English dialogue how well do Emily and Jessica do it and the answer is uh, they they have to overcome a couple of like Japanese high school phrases and I wanted to ask you guys about one of these because at the okay. beginning of the show the character of Ao has a keychain on that's in the shape of a whale and she has that to remind her of the character <laughs> of. Uh, Mira Konohata. Now, I now I looked up, and the Japanese word for whale is not Mira Konohata. 
So I don't know what the translation is on that. It's probably something that made more sense in Japanese. But in this case here, they didn't choose to make it like super apparent. They just have uh, the character say, oh, you have this to remind yourself of me without really explaining what that means. But that is one instance. And that after that, honestly, the show goes very archetypal after that. And all the lines and dialogue are super devoted to explaining minerals, boring, drilling. We need to look at every section of the sky and all the other things in the nerdy section here that, again, I swear they got federal funding to put it in the dialogue. But Jessica and Emily did a really good job and everyone speaks their lines really well on terms of the science side and the cutesy, let's have bread and we're going to kidnap this character who's being moved away and we'll take turns keeping her over at our house. So overall, very good job. <laughs> yes, let's take turns keeping a, a, a teenage girl. girl at someone's house. It's not illegal yes. if you're also a high school girl. Oh my God. It's only illegal if we get caught. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unfortunately you're not wrong <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so and, and so that's that's the thought that's the initial thoughts on how the dub went overall if you're listening to this as a viewer and you're wondering should i listen to this in english or japanese um you can easily listen to this in english and not really lose any uh anything lost in translation you will understand this perfectly well in fact you might want to listen to it in english because all the uh science speak might be easier to, uh, um, what's what I'm looking for? Retain. Um, might be easier to retain if you're listening to it rather than reading the subtitles. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how fossils were made. So that, oh, that's wow. what I got. Who else here knew how fossils were made? I did not. I've, well, I thought they were made when a mosquito gets put in amber and then... No! A man, a man in a nice white suit pulls it out and invites three people, one of them being <laughs> Jeff Goldblum, to his park, his island in Costa Rica. God damn it. <laughs> and then life finds a way. That only, yeah, that only works if one of those people you invite is Jeff Goldblum. If not, then the, the and it doesn't fossilize. Fair enough. <laughs> oh, Lord. So who wants to go next? Um, I guess I can go. Um, so yeah, uh, direction-wise, I thought it was pretty solid. Uh, they uh, they did a pretty good job on that front. I thought everyone, I thought everyone here seemed like pretty properly casted. Uh, they all sounded, uh, they all sounded solid. As I, it's, it's, admittedly, I am not like a super big cute girl doing cute things. Show kind of guy, so as I so as I, so for me, there's always a fear with these kind of shows that characters will like generally sound the same after mm-hmm. a while. Which this at which at which does at which there are a couple of points where it almost feels like that happens, but they do as I but, but they do a decent enough, but they do a solid enough job of like making all the characters sound the same enough that you can generally tell who's who even if you're not looking at the screen, which I appreciate. Yeah, I agree too. There, yeah, there's that sense that in mm-hmm. some instances, if like the camera's not on the characters, it takes a minute to, or a few seconds to figure out which character is speaking. In some instances, I don't know if I call that a point against the dub though. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not a point against the dub. It's it's not a point against the dub. It's just kind of like you know the inherent thing of like a cute girl doing cute things kind of show. Is that 
Yeah. Is that, is that, is that you know, those sorts of things tend to be very archetypal, so... That's what you're dealing with archetypes, they can sometimes when they can sometimes blend together vocally, so, like, again, having a character sound to sync does help, and I think the dub does a pretty solid job with that. And so, and, so, and writing-wise, I also thought it was pretty good. As I, 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 did appre- I did appreciate that there was, like, a pretty solid attempt to make some of the dialogue sound at least, like, a little more natural than you would expect from this kind of thing. Like, there's not, like, like, there's not, like, an aggressive amount of slang or anything, but the character, but it does sound, like, just natural enough that the characters do at least kind of sound like teenagers, which is a good touch, <laughs> so... Yeah, yeah. The, the so, most polite teenagers you can get. Is it, is it, yeah, they yeah they are extremely polite teenagers, but they at least like is it, uh, they're extremely polite teenagers, but at least doesn't sound like wooden. So I yeah. so I, so I definitely thought that Emily and Jessica did a pretty good job, and and you can definitely tell that they were having fun with at least a few of the lines. So I also appreciated that, and yeah, this is just like a really solid dub. I can't think of anything I would particularly complain about. So yeah. Solid job. Solid as a rock, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Staff, go ahead. Uh, I have to largely agree with, with um, what's been said so far. So, on the directing front of it, I really, I really enjoy Raleigh Pickens as a director, and um, Stephen Hoff as well. I'll throw in there as well because I, I, in the past couple of months, I did watch um, Wave Listen to Me, and I thought that was really enjoyable. Um, and of course, we all know I am obsessed with Moriarty the Patriot. Uh, <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> no shit. Uh, so, and I'm waiting for that second season, Raleigh. I know you're working on it, uh, I would think, right? I think, yes. Uh, anyway. <laughs> they got him trapped ass. in the basement, you, working on it, slaving away at it. <laughs> you bet your ass I'm going to talk about that show eventually. But anyway, that's not why we're here. Um, so, with Asteroid and Love... I think the direction is, direction is very solid. Uh, the cast is diverse, having dynamic sounding voices in the main in the core cast, um, adding some fun variety and dynamics uh, to the to to the show rather than just having what like five characters with the same tone of voice for cutesy girls because that can sometimes happen, and then that's. Mm-hmm. ruins the experience so having the dynamicism and the variety is very very great and i love it so much um <laughs> and uh i know noah will be able to answer this for me have y'all seen konohana kiton i know is that the cute oh, you mean the cutesy adorable fox girls taking care of people in an old inn in the spirit world show that should have won all the awards that year no i've never seen it we have we have video evidence oh. that you have. Sorry, I was like, what is that noise? And that's not my dryer. There's a fucking car outside of my window making noise. Stealing your laundry is what it's doing. It's not stealing my laundry. My laundry is current. I have a laundry. I have laundry in my apartment. So no. Um, that's what the laundry goblins say. Laundry goblin only steals socks. All right. 
There's always that one sock I can never find and there's always a laundry <laughs> goblin. Anyway, um, so, God, what was I saying? Konohari oh, yeah. Kitan. Thank you. So, this show reminds me of Konohana Kitan. It's just fun, comfy, just, you can just sit down and just cozy on up with, like, some hot chocolate or, like, popcorn or something and just with, with a nice warm blanket and just comfy cozy and it's so fun and the directing really reflects that uh that sense of it but it also it and the writing do very well in terms of the um science jargon uh because as the guys have already said you have astronomy you have geology you have meteorology like you have a bunch of science jargon that could easily fly over everyone's heads yeah, but maybe not, I think... like, like, not the concept, I don't think, but y you're right as far as things like, like, uh, some things that I personally learned was um, how you use a boring machine to get a sample. Uh, right. and they, yeah, like, that's, like, that's kind of cool. That's a really cool concept. I learned about is I learned about the very special rainbow. Oh, yes, oh that yeah. That was a good one. Yeah, yeah, a lot of the, a lot of the science trivia was actually generally interesting. No, yeah, they made it interesting and also easy to understand um, from a writing perspective and also how it was directed. I was made it easy to understand because in the Earth Sciences Club themselves, there are members that don't know certain things. Because remember, it's originally two clubs merged into one, the Astronomy and the Geology Club. So they're learning each other's fields. So that makes it a little bit more easier to understand because you're coming, because you're seeing things through that person's perspective who was learning for the first time themselves how things work. Mm -hmm. So it makes it very easy to understand, uh, not too complicated or anything like that. <laughs> Some of the one-liners in this show are enjoyable. <laughs> They're very enjoyable. I only wrote down a couple, for instance. Um, there was... Uh, da, 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 da. So... There was a couple I wrote only for the first few episodes. Um, one was episode two. I feel like a sad turtle. When, um, <laughs> yes. I was trying to like bring back the rocks so many are rocks heavy and I feel like a sad turtle. Yep. And then another one, the only other one I wrote down in like episode three was like, thanks to your brilliant training, which includes leaving us training, which includes leaving us alone or something to that extent. It was very funny. But I think no. one of my favorite ones was, are you a witch who can predict the weather? Yes. <laughs> and no, and the girl's is like, no, I have a weather app. <laughs> that was and, a good uh, one. That I think there's one where, where I think one of the girls who's doing the boring says something and she goes, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> yep, accurate. And then, of course, there's the Yuri bait line from the very first episode. One friend sends to another friend, I don't have a problem if you're interested in girls. <laughs> fucking Suzu. Oh, uh, Suzu is such a disaster lesbian and we love her for it. <laughs> that's as close <laughs> as the show gets to that whole, like you were saying about they're too cowardly to show two lesbians kiss. That's as close as we get. As, Suzu, as a character that exists, is the closest we can get, but Suzu is also a fucking delight. Um, no, but in general, I really enjoy the writing and the wrecking. It made, it, it made learning about these different scientific fields that you don't normally um talk about or see that much more interesting and fun to learn honestly and it's it's just such a comfy show i just really liked it 
So what you're saying is that elementary school kids should stop showing the magic school bus, start showing this show in classrooms instead. No. No. <laughs> I think you hear Jen's in the background going like, no. I heard you, Jenny. <laughs> I thought there was an echo. Okay. But <laughs> no, yeah. No, I like the magic school bus. I'm just saying, like, we need something. How fresh. dare you do that to Lily Tomlin? I How love Lily Tomlin. The magic it... school bus. See, no one's talking about the. Reboot. You come into no, this house not. on the day of. <laughs> you come into this recording on the day of before my birthday, and you insult Lily Tomlin's honor. Look, I love Nine to Five, and I love her in uh, Into the Spider Verse. I would never say a bad thing about Lily Tomlin. Best Aunt May ever. Yeah, I bet y'all didn't know she plays Aunt May in Into the Spider-Verse. I'm smoking a cannoli, like, hang <laughs> Smoking a cannoli. Oh, boy. It's better than what else I could be doing to the cannoli. So, this show, yes, I, I think uh, we should probably take this opportunity to talk anyway, about some Steph? of the characters. No, I haven't even given my thoughts. What the fuck, my dude? You're talking about smoking <laughs> cannolis and other stuff. I, you had your chance. <laughs> Who's the host here? Who's the host here? Listen, Megan's the birthday girl. Megan's the birthday girl, so don't fuck right. with the birthday girl right I'm now. Tell, I'm she, gonna all right, tell she wants, Jenny to you know, right, she coitus. <laughs> I heard that, Megan. <laughs> all right, Shit. so my thoughts I on hope, the show. May, may, your, may your crops be eaten by rats. <laughs> rude. I'm sorry. So right, what you were saying. I've worked so hard tilling field for mother, and now you ask for rats to eat my field work! Should insult everyone on this episode. What am I gonna tell? What am I gonna tell Comrade Putin about the rats who ate my weed? He's gonna send me into space! I become cosmonaut! I taste the cos- I taste cosmos! I taste cosmonaut! That's gonna be another episode on space I wanna host, but, um... Oh, shit. <laughs> anyway. Tonight in Mother Russia, we talk about Asteroid in Love. <laughs> Not Putin's favorite anime. In, in Soviet, Soviet Russia, Astrid and Asteroid, Asteroid loves love you! you. <laughs> and that's how we lost the dinosaurs. Um... <laughs> Shit. Uh, so my thoughts on the show was uh, I had had I, I I have a really good friend of ours who's one of our patrons, Saint Victor, who really really likes this show and really likes this dub. And I had I had bought it, and I had meant to check it out earlier than I had, and I'm glad that I did because this was kind of the thing I needed, in that I I got a lot of entertainment out of a lot of the cast. I think that some of them. Maybe I wouldn't say this was maybe career standout for them, but it is a lot of fun to hear them be these characters. Yes. And I think in 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 one's case, it's nice to see her get to do a show like this because I think a lot of a lot of directors don't take advantage of her of their of their range for this type of show. Mm -hmm. Um I thought the writing was really funny. I think that it never made any of the science stuff <laughs> boring. Um, <laughs> and I think, and I think that it was approachable enough as a series. And and frankly, I think the thing I like about this is that this is a dub that feels as comfortable as the show is. 
Mm-hmm. Are there other points where if this was maybe a longer show, they could have put a little bit more dramatic stakes in stuff? Yeah, but for the most part, I think this is a good, like, comfy pick-me-up show. Yeah. Like, let's say you've watched something that was very tense or dramatic, like, or something that was just very dark, and you're like, I need something that's got color. Yes. This is the type of show you would watch, and I I really do appreciate that Raleigh and Okatron handled this, because I think for a lot of people, they only associate their work with the big the big man, the big screamy, yelly men in tight spandex. Um, the big Kamehameha. You know, the big, that's just, yeah, that that show. So I think that I like that this got to flex off their range. And, and considerably, I do like that Funimation has really started to bring them in to expand their dubbing potential yeah. and pool. Because they've, they've gotten to work on a mix of a lot of really cool shows. Um... Because they've so, done, they've done like Moriarty. They've done Witness Me. Uh, they did Soccer Wars, which I've been yelled at to check out because the dub of that is actually supposedly really fucking good. They've done like um, Funimation has expanded their um, studio I, outsourcing, and it's great. Yeah, and and also be every time that they produce a cute girls doing cute things show, you can always ask somebody to produce art of Vegeta hanging out with tiny Moe girls because Christopher Sabat produced this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> let's move... <laughs> oh, sorry? I, I was wondering about Okatron being allowed to do this and do something that's kind of outside of what they've done in the past. Like, I was kind of wondering, do you think Funimation uh, was hesitant to let other studios dub stuff for them? Uh, no. Until, no. No? No. Yes, I, I, I mean, I, I mean, mean, pre-pandemic, I mean, yes. Past, post-pandemic. Yeah, in the past, probably. But, I mean, but in a post-pandemic world, not really. Like, they just, they, they, can't, have, like, they, like, they basically can't handle the workload now. Yeah, yeah the they're going to what anybody them. but Studiopolis, right. Big Zoom, and... Uh, so, so you don't think that the, the, this was allowed uh, yeah. because other studios had, you know, proven themselves? You think that this was just a necessity I mean, this, of... like, this dub, I think, actually kicked off, like, right as the pandemic began. Yeah, so, the, like, this the pandemic essentially forced Funimation to ca- play catch-up, but they couldn't do it in-house, really, so... But, yeah, no, this, yeah, was, this was actually a winter started, 2020 think, show. before everything. Okay. Yeah, so I think... Yeah, I think that this one was being worked on before, but post-pandemic, like, I think I'm, it's actually kind of a good thing that they've brought in other studios. They've worked with Kocha, mm-hmm. uh, they have a pretty... Kocha, mm-hmm. Okatron, uh, Sound Cadence, NYAV Sound Post. Games, yes. uh, Studio Nano as and well. Studio Nano is the, the next, like, really big one that they've been doing. Yes. Um... I think the like I said, like I don't think they've worked with Bang Zoom yet, but uh, yeah, the, not the, unless the, you count. I, I am, yeah, I yeah, like I'm okay. Now, now I'm not gonna like speculate on that here, but I do. I, I don't know. I mean, I've always heard there's like something going on with that, but like whatever. I don't know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but from there, let's move into our first set of characters. Those being the characters who kind of come in towards the end to like add more characters, but again, if they had a second season, I think they'd be fleshed out. Yeah, they it's are the like- two newest members of the Earth Science Club, and the two girls that they meet that uh, Mira and Al meet at the Shining Star Challenge Camp, or as we're just going to call it, the Shiny Challenge. Shiny, shiny, camp. shiny challenge camp. 
the two new club members are you, Nanami, who gets called Nana, a girl who wants to, who joins the club for the sake of meteorology because she doesn't want to see floods and climate change ruin people's houses again after seeing her aunt's house get destroyed in a flood. They are Chikage Sakurai. She is the younger sister of another character named Mikage Sakurai, and she gets called Chika. She is into geology and can do fortune tellings with quote-unquote power stones and eventually starts getting into astronomy. There is Asuka Tomari, who I believe is Tomarin. Mm-hmm. Um, and she essentially gets into the Chinese challenge not because she's genuinely really interested in space stuff, but because she wants to meet an idol who's going to be at the con- who's going to be at the Star Festival yep. after it. Yep. And I don't know how the fuck she got in, but sure, whatever. I, I guess you're. I, she's just. An I idol guess she's. Fan, it's fine. I guess she gets in like how the girl who's really clumsy in Keijo gets into the fucking Keijo school. Hey, the clumsy girl in Keijo had a legitimate power, okay? That ass is power, and no one can tell you otherwise. <laughs> yeah, Jet knows I'm talking about. And how did she get fucking nepotism, man? It's not nepotism. And there is... That's for another episode. It's nepotism. <laughs> it's... Anyway. And Shiho uh, Makita, who I believe they call her Maki... Uh, who is another girl that wants to, who is quote unquote a people person. Um, <laughs> yes. I love when people Self, put that in their profile. Self-described people person. I'm a people person and she wants to grow up to be a camp counselor, like a counselor, but she's there because she also loves this stuff. Playing Nana is Krista McGuire. Playing Chica is Afia Yu. Playing Tomarine is Tia Ballard. And playing Maki is Alexis Tipton. Uh, Kristen McGuire has been characters such as Nami in After Loss, Senko in The Helpful Fox, Senko-san, and Senko-san. San. Senko-san. San. Senko-san. Mm. <laughs> it's just Senko is a sand true. Um, Honorifics are fun. <laughs> Fuck. And Cinnamon in Neko Para, which I mention only to make Andrew cry when he hears this audio. Uh, Afia Yu has <laughs> played characters such as Ryo Nakamura in Assassination Classroom. Yukari in Divine Gate and Rita in Rage of Bahamut Genesis. Tia Ballard has played characters such as Ume Shiraume in Bento, Sora in Escaflone yes. in the movie, and Elska in Carnival. Alexis Sifton has played characters such as Lada Otis in Aka 13, Iris in Fire Force, and Fire <laughs> Fire Force! Uh, and I believe in you, you can do it. Eor. E- Iori in Unbreakable Machine Doll. Look, look people, uh, when Windows 11, you know, launched and Megan had to get rebooted, it, it took some of the language out of her. So give, give her a minute, okay? She's still rebooting. Ah! Oh, shit. But Noah, how could I reboot when nobody has been here to touch my on switch? Um, well, oh, my God. That's a good point. That's a good point. People, don't put off your restarts. If your system keeps saying, you know, restart in 15, don't keep pushing the wait we might need to button. We're going to have to send Patrick to reboot Megan, aren't we? Yes. We're going to have to wrap Megan up in bandages. Ethical question. And I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Jet, that you have to listen to this bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not used to it at this point. Uh, I was going to say. Jet's literally like, say, different day, same shit. (laughs) Same. Um, Okay. So you know in Chobits that Cheese on Switch was in her hoo-ha? Yes. So technically, if Chi had ever been smart enough to use, like, a vibrator or a dildo, would she have just been repeatedly turning herself on and off? Or do you think that she'd get stuck on the first time? 
Okay, you know how you reset some computers, but it's got like a really tiny hole, and so you have to get like a paperclip or something to, you know, make it work? Are you saying that the dildo can't be the paperclip? I'm saying you're thinking way too hard about this, and I don't know where I was going with this. That is no, no, that's like... thinking with portals. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jet, please go ahead so that my bullshit will stop. <laughs> I, I want an image now, like if Jackson, if you're listening to this, I want an image of it's like he's not editing this visually. Step it. No, but but he's still gonna listen to this. So I want this for my own personal. I, I want the image from Groundhog's Day, of I'm blanking on name here. Um, Bill, Bill Murray. Murray, yeah, Bill Murray holding the microphone, saying, "Well, it's Groundhog's Day again." But I want the head replaced with Jet's picture, and it's just gonna be, well, it's a dub talk episode with Lilac, Noah, and Megan again. Again. <laughs> <laughs> Jet knows this could have been Jet Jet knows that this could have been worse. Gigi could have been here. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I love you, Gigi. Yeah, give Jet that microphone. He deserves it now. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh. Um Okay, I will start with uh Afia you as um Chicago. I thought that, um I, I liked her. I thought she sounded like Probably the most subdued of the girls we see in the show. And I'd have to make her sound pretty distinct, which I appreciated. And yeah, she was a nice presence in the show. I thought the whole, like, attention with power suits thing was, like, kind of interesting. And it was sort of interesting seeing how she's all, like, quiet and polite compared to her sister, who is very, like... Stirred, so I thought that was like an interesting contrast, mm-hmm. and and I thought she also contrasted pretty well with Nanami, who is like you know, I say a little more on edge. So I thought that was uh, handled pretty well. And speaking of Nanami, I I found her intro- I found her introduction pretty being pretty interesting because her because her whole deal is like I don't want to say it is the most amount of conflict we see in the show, but it is that but it's probably the heaviest. This show ever really gets with anything where, mm-hmm. where where she starts talking about why she's like so into meteorology because her family got like devastated by a flood and mm-hmm. and, 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 and that was pretty interesting and I thought that Akrisen did a really good job of like getting across her anger and like powerlessness in that whole situation and you can tell it's something that like Nanami is clearly very passionate about and Akrisen got that across really well. It feels- it feels a little displaced, don't you think? Is that she's upset at this group of high schoolers for not being more interested in the weather and not, you know, the actual adults who are running the weather system who could have told people that there was going to be a flood coming? I mean, I think she was more mad at the rest of them for not taking a more serious approach to their studies right? because they could grow up to be people who could cause change. Oh, I, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, that is fair. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, I thought that was handled pretty well, and um, we're yeah, so, uh, we're also talking about uh, the uh, the two girls from the uh, Sparkle event, right? Sparkle, yep. Sparkle, yes. <laughs> sparkle, Sparkle. 
because you know, you know darn well that in the entire world of Japan, there are only girls interested in this stuff. No boys. None at all. They just don't. There exist. were actually some guys at that. There were some guys there. Yeah. 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 I mean, there actually were some. Yeah, there actually were more men this year than I was expecting. Like at least five. Really? That is. You can count the amount of boys. That's on the still show more men hand. that has ever. Okay, that is still more men that have ever existed, and a lot of other Dogo shows. That is true. Very true. New, yeah, new game had and, two, and <laughs> and uh, they put all of their boys in Token Rangu Hanabaru in Light of the Clouds. <laughs> it's it's that, true. That's where they all went. <laughs> Clearly, I was gonna say there's also more men in this than there ever has been in the Love Life franchise. So. Well, yeah. men don't exist in Love Life, right? I, I thought I, it was like a... Uh, it, yeah, yeah, I don't think we... Yeah, I'm pretty sure I have not seen, like, a single man <laughs> Love Life show. Like, Love like, Life... Okay, seasons. Love Life is like a reverse Handmaiden's Tale, where it's all of the men <laughs> who exist for the sake of, like, being stud horses so they can make, like, the best little idol children. Oh, and there's know. only the illusion of fatherhood in that show. They say they have dads. But are they really there? I gotta ask this oh question. God. Hold on. Hey, Jenny. Oh no. You've seen The Handmaid's Tale, right? Would you watch a reverse Handmaid's Tale where instead of the <laughs> women being oppressed, it's the men being oppressed? You shaking her head, yes. All right. All right, Hulu, <laughs> get on producing that. Oh lordy. Oh man. No, why? That's amazing. I don't even why? know how that would go. I'm sorry. <laughs> why would you do this? <laughs> I like how you're blaming Noah for this and not me who made the statement in the first place. You you didn't have to roll with it. (laughs) See, it's my birthday. Nothing bad bad ever happens to the Kennedys. Oh my god. Oh god. Okay. That's a lot of layers. Just just like, I need to keep going. Fuck, man. Okay, but yeah, yeah, uh, getting back on track. Um... Alexis, uh, she uh, was uh, pr- uh, was pretty fun. I thought it was uh, pretty interesting that uh, she was probably the most like uh, talkative and like outgoing of the girls we see. And it was uh, I thought she did a pretty good job just coming off as like trying to be immediately friendly with everyone. And then it was like kind of interesting that like that uh, like the other character we we're about to talk about, she wasn't. All that she wasn't really all that interested in like astronomy itself, but was mm-hmm. apparently more interested in like being a counselor, something like that, and just wanted to like up her people skills. So, so, yeah, so that was interesting. And she does seem like she has good people skills. So, like, uh, get on her for making use of those. And, so, and, and, and then lastly, uh, Tia as Asuka was a lot of fun. Uh, interesting that she was basically there because she's a big idol fan and just wanted to like. See her favorite idol in person, so she somehow won a science contest. You want to talk about nepotism? That that sounds like some nepotism bullshit right there. No, 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 no she just, no, she just no, put in the work like, for that silly sounds, reason. That sounds like determination. Like that's that's you know really... what? I'm not even mad. That's like that's like the I'm not even mad. I'm impressed. Levels of bullshit. That's true. It just it's sad it's because you know we got one main character who didn't make the cut. Who is obviously very passionate about it, and then you got someone who's passionate for completely different reasons who did make the cut. Yeah, <laughs> maybe they're graded on a curve. Uh, 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 but yeah, she was a lot of fun. Had like a lot of good energy. I mean, he is. I mean, he is so strange into this sort of character, and he made her sound like really wacky and fun. And it was 
So, and it was like nice, you know, to hear like go on about her, bash about her favorite idol and whatnot. That was like pretty funny. <laughs> and, so, and yeah, I like yeah, I liked all forty performances. I mean, they didn't have like a whole ton to do, but they were all fine. You can clearly tell they were introduced at the beginning of a new manga. And a new volume. A new volume of the manga, yeah. Ah, yeah. uh, yes, new manga. Is it, is it, yeah. Is it, yeah. Asteroid in Love 2, Electric is it, Boogaloo. Yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah, I will say, like, the one thing that surprised me the most about this show is, like, how much time passes in, like, this man of 12 episodes, because we it's go from the like first year, year and a half. To, yeah, we go, yeah, we go from them, like, starting high school to being second years, and I was like, oh, I was expecting them to actually cover that much material in 12 episodes. No, mm-hmm. yeah, it covered a lot. But you got to cover all the ma- the holidays. You got to cover the giving chocolate Valentine's Day. You got to do the Christmas party. Yeah, yeah. I like, was gonna say Astrid and Love Two Love Harder, <laughs> <laughs> or Astrid and Love Two Asteroid Harder. Oh my God, <laughs> Lord Almighty! <sighs> Noah, go ahead. I think Jed, are you done? Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> Noah, go ahead. Yeah, I don't have as much to add either because um. Now, to be fully fair to uh, to Kristen, to Tia, to Alexis, and to Apia, um, had these characters been introduced uh, earlier in the show and we'd have more time to uh, spend with them, um, obviously they would have been, I think, a little more integral. So, yeah, like I was saying, the, the introduction of these four characters um, uh, in the final third of the show is clearly uh, the result of an ongoing manga being adapted for an ongoing show. Which, and clearly, it didn't get to the end of the story, and we'll get to that when we talk about the final end of the show. But for just talking about performances for Alexis, Tia, Kristen, and Afia, um, well-done performances for finite amount of lines that, honestly, I would have enjoyed seeing uh, introduced a lot earlier. And I think the reason that, um, uh, to kind of tie into what Jet was saying about the way that they sound distinct from one another really helps out in this particular group. Afia in particular really sounds distinct from the other ones because whereas the archetype of the uh, more chipper, high-pitched, uh, squealy girl voice is going to come up in a couple of these characters, Afia does not sound like that. She's got what I called soft energy to her, and mm. uh, but it doesn't mean that she's like timid. She's not uh, Nagato Yuki. She's like very opinionated, and I really like her explanation in one of the final episodes about what the benefits of um, uh, geology is about how it helps extract materials that minerals that we use and helps detect earthquakes and it's like that's kind of nice to have a character put into words the benefit of what they're studying it's not just otaku being interested in a habit in, in a topic that they're interested in it's got a real scientific benefit to it and it's worth um, knowing more about even if you're not going to go into it as a career right yeah so, um, and also I like that one more thing that we're going to talk about is that a lot of characters have siblings and we're going to talk about quite a few siblings here. She, uh, Chikage being one of them. Um, but she doesn't sound like her older sister. She's got a very distinct voice, not just in the way she speaks, but also the pitch she's got. So even though her character design looks pretty similar, and of course they've got the same colored hair, Afia gives her a very different sound from her older sister character, who we'll talk about in a bit. Um, uh, Kristen does not have a sister. I'm sorry, no. Uh, Nana does not have a sister. I don't know if Kristen has a sister or not. But, um, yeah, her introduction, like Jet was saying, about having a very serious and kind of dark history with um, meteorology 
felt like something that maybe this should have been introduced a little bit earlier in the show. And again, I know it's only in this episode because she was uh, written into the manga at this point and they're adapting it in chronological order. But yeah, that's a little heavier than what we've been talking about before. It's not just dreams and wishes and moving into your best friend's house because your dad moved away. It's, you know, it's getting into some really serious topics that affect the livelihoods of people who are in high risk areas, especially for flooding. So the way that Kristen voices her um, makes her likable while still being serious. I think it could have been really easy for Nana to be directed to be like more stern and um, unlikable. You know, that kind of person who's like saying, you got to check out this website. It's got the latest conspiracy theory. The moon landing was fake. We've been on Mars since the 1960s. Uh, but uh, Kristen doesn't go that route. She goes the um, no-nonsense persona while still being interested in being friends with everybody. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as like actually talking about the last two, uh, Megan brought up an interesting point before we started recording. Uh, uh, Tomori and Makita have more lines, technically, than the previous two characters that we were talking about. So they definitely bear talking about. And it's a shame that they're only introduced in the last two episodes because they're clearly... I'm going to assume that they're more integral to future volumes of the manga, which is ongoing as Mm -hmm. we speak, hasn't even been finished yet. So um, not to say that this will get a sequel because I don't think... I I feel like this is pretty self-contained. I don't think this is really conducive to a franchise... Yeah, but I feel if, like the likelihood of it getting a sequel anime is slim to none, honestly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's very much a very one done thing. Very few Dogokobo shows actually get like a sequel. I think only a couple of them have. Yeah, New Game was New Game got one. one. Um, new Game, it's a New Game. Token Rambu's got yeah. a sequel and a movie coming. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think Wadaten has a movie coming for some god-awful reason. Uh, I'm just going to keep uh, I'm just going to uh, keep on ignoring that as hard as I can. That's, yep. Just like guy. how we keep ignoring Hitalia exists. Aw, I like Hitalia. AJ from AJ from Cartoon Cipher is gonna yell at me at Anime NYC because I kept reminding him that it existed. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. He's like, Megan, stop! And I'm like, you can yell at me at Anime NYC. Um <laughs> You can yell at her in real time. It's fine. Yeah, I'm just gonna hold a, I'm just gonna wear like, you know, like the, the dog shaming? That's gonna be my shaming. Yes! Oh, lordy. You, you seem like you enjoy it. Like, you're, you're just waiting for it to happen. <laughs> Kicks in the door. Did you know that they dubbed the new Italia series in, like, three weeks? <laughs> anyway. There's gotta be an Onion article written about you. <laughs> I am a walking Onion article. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, shit. Uh, just, um, like, uh, it's gonna be, um... A uh, local anime fan loves to ruin conversations by reminding people, did you know there's a new Hitalia project coming out? Oh no, I wouldn't be a fucking Onion article, I'd be an Anime Maru article. <laughs> there you go, yes, I forgot the name of the Onion yeah, anime. Yeah, I was like, site. Onions, Onions, yeah, Onion is just regular to use, Hard Drive Mag is gaming ones, and um, Anime Maru is the anime one. Which my favorite Hard Drive Mag one ever is, uh, Speedrunner doesn't consist, uh, doesn't consider, um, a six uh girlfriend's tool assisted speed run legal. Oh my god. <laughs> Which is a very layered joke anyway. It sounds like it. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about two characters that, like we were saying, introduced uh near the end of the show in the last two episodes, clearly important to de- further developments in the story. So but how do Tia and Alexis do in the show itself? And the answer is 
It's Tia Ballard and Alexis Tipton. These guys are professionals. If they did not do a standout job, I would be honestly surprised and be asking, mm-hmm. what's going on? So any praise that, uh, yeah, Jet already praised on Tia and Alexis for portraying a uh, flighty, idol-obsessed girl who honestly can't keep up with the science and um, nerdy people-person girl who can actually match Mira's uh, responses like in unison, stereo. Um, Surround well sound. <laughs> yeah, they're. I'm not sure if they were like integral to the end of the show, but in what the studio wanted to do, what Dobokobo wanted to do, and you know, just adapting the chapters of the manga as they were coming out instead of writing an anime original ending to this, perfectly fine. We got two perfectly fine Moe characters who, again, I'm sure are fan favorites and get expanded upon more in the manga. So that's what I got. Awesome stuff. I don't have a lot to add. So I have zero notes on Alexis and Tia. You blasphemer. I'm sorry. I mean, this was also kind of around the same time, because I watched the last two episodes before recording this, around the same time where I was folding laundry and I accidentally (laughs) spilled some water all over everything and I had to clean it up. So I kind of got distracted. (laughs) Anyway. Now you're making me think of that first episode again where uh, Mira, you know, messed up her outfit and she's like, I made it worse. (laughs) Yup. Suzu being like, I can't take you fucking anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds accurate. No, um... I, I enjoy Tia and Alexis. There are a couple of fun little extra additions to the cast towards the end of the show. I just wish they got to do more in the show. Uh, but Tia's idol-crazed craziness is cute and adorable. Alexis's fun... She's a calming energy. Kind of this calm, almost mature energy. Probably one of the most mature characters of the cast, honestly. Um... And she's very, very enjoyable. Uh, Kristen and Afia. So, okay. So, Afia is a, is very calming and also very adorable as a little sister. It's a different sounding voice for a little sister character, you know, all things considered. Um, and especially who can considered who voices the older sister, who we'll get to in a little while. Uh, it's a very interesting contrast. Um... But also, I guess it kind of falls into similar vocal area of sorts um, compared to the rest of the cast, who's all like Moe Moe Kune kind of deal. <laughs> oh, that's a reference from the old days. <laughs> Back in my day, the Moe girls went Moe Moe Kune. That's a fucking deep cut, I'll tell you. Um,. No, but Afia's fun. I I love it. It's very cute, very adorable. Kristen seems to have, a, and you guys have brought it up already, a more mature outlook in her desire for like knowledge and science in particular because of what we learned very early on about her aunt losing everything in a flood and she wants to be able to help others um, prevent, like help others in terms of um, like warning or be more prepared by understanding um, the weather and learning about meteorology, mm-hmm. which is a very, very noble aspiration. aspiration. Especially um, at that age. As, yeah, especially at that age, first year in high school. Absolutely. Um, so Kristen portraying that is just 
it, it's very nice and I love it so much. But I also really love that over time, uh, Kristen gets to kind of lighten up a little bit too. She has a little bit more fun being in the club and all that fun stuff, all, all those great things, including making those when um, Mira and Al go to shiny shiny time <laughs> um and the weather isn't clear enough for them to try and observe um space objects to try and see if they could find asteroids while they were there um nana's idea was to create those little rain dolls that they had made before to try the terra bozu thank you the terra bozu to try and have more clear weather for them to be able to try and see an asteroid so Kristen gets to try, gets to, um, I guess for lack of better word, phrasing, ease up on the, on the seriousness and the tension that Nana has, um, and it makes for a fun little dynamic performance. Um, so yeah, all four of these, I wish I had more to do, uh, but for, for what we have and what it's worth, I think it worked very well. It's like the show yeah. reminded her, you're not in Magnitude 9.5, you're in a Dogakobo show, lighten the heck up a little bit. Yes. Yeah, so I'll start with Kristen as Nana. I really liked it because I think it was a little bit more mature of a character that Kristen has played with a little bit of a deeper voice, and I genuinely like that. It does remind me a little bit of her performance as uh, the turtle girl in My Hero Academia. Turtle girl? Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, it took me a yeah, second. The girl like, turtle girl? <laughs> yeah, the girl whose ability is literally moving her neck like a turtle. Um, Basically. So I really like that. I do wish that the character was around more just to give a little bit more dramatic tension in the show. Uh, Afia as uh, Chica, she does... I really like Afia Yu in a lot of things. So I think that she did a good job here. Again, wish she did a little bit more. But I really like her energy when she and Nan are in the back of the seat, back of the car talking yes. about things and about how like sometimes you have to go through bad stuff for the good to happen. Mm-hmm. And I like when she talks about how uh, Nana needs to chill out a little bit. Yeah, because Nana <laughs> and, with, just and gives so her serious. and gives her the stone because Nana's overthinking a lot and stressing herself out. And when she did, and then when she did, it, it made her feel better. And then they saw the big double rainbow. Yeah. Oh no, sorry. Not the big double. rainbow curve in the sky, and Nana freaks out. And I really like how genuine Kristen sounds in that scene. Because that is kind of Nana's big moment in the whole show. Yeah. And then Alexis and Tia are a lot of fun. It took me a minute to figure out that that was Tia and Alexis. I had to look at the credits. Um, they aren't. They have kind of some memorable moments, but they aren't as memorable as everybody else's. And mm -hmm. I think their arc gave me kind of diet, uh, a place further than the universe vibes. Please, somebody fucking dub it. <laughs> Um, this whole show's kind of got that vibe. <laughs> Andrew yeah, this is very much diet a place further than the universe. Um, but I, again, I really liked all these girls. I like that they did sound distinct enough from each other that you wouldn't have confused them with somebody else already in the cast. Yeah. But yeah, no, mm. good job all around. So let's move into our next set of characters who are not part of the Earth Sciences Club, but are part of their upstairs neighbors, the Newspaper Club. The bungee yes. jumping Newspaper Club. The newspaper club. The bungee jump <laughs> which yep. includes the more calm, cool, and collected Ayana Usami, and our favorite little pigtailed skydiver, uh, Sayure Ibe. Playing, Ia uh, playing Usami is Don Bennett, and playing uh, Ibe is Sarah Wiedenhaft. 
Don Bennett, you'll know his characters such as Mino uh, uh, Asagaya in Anime Gatsuris, uh, Chiaki Yo- Yokoshi in First Love Monster, and yeah. Hey and Hey in Konkolei. Yeah. Sorry, we didn't have you'll know his characters such as uh, Sana in Allison Zoroku, Sue in Conception, and Alina Fuji uh, Fujisawa in Hanabato. So, staff, kick us off. Oh boy. So let's see. Um. I, I do I not have notes for Dawn? That sucks. I mean, she doesn't have too many memorable too lines. Much, she, she yeah. is the calming agent to uh yeah, to Eve or to yeah, to yeah. Sarah's Sarah's gremlin child. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's her handler. <laughs> yeah. She's her handler, especially considering Eve likes- Eve, please don't jump off the roof again. Eve, don't jump off the roof. Eve, we're not going to write an article about this again, okay? Stop. (laughs) Eve wants to do- Eve, we don't have the money. Eve, we don't have the money. Eve, we're going to get in trouble if you try doing this as blackmail. Just stop. (laughs) Because she tries tries to blackmail the Herb Science Club a couple times. It's like, what? It's the cutest way to make friends with people. I'm going to blackmail you. And so friends? and and so is Bungie jumping off of the roof of a building, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you don't see me fucking doing it. Uh, no, Don is a fun, fun, mature energy, just trying to keep the peace, keep the calm, um, as Usumi, and I really, really enjoy that. Uh, she does a very good job at um, balancing out and handling Sarah's gremlin energy. <laughs> Because Eve is just pure gremlin at times, and it's insane. Um, she's just little energetic gremlin child, just like, <laughs> kind of like a ha ha ha. Oh, I got you nice. for, I got this, I'm going to use it against you. Ha ha ha. Like, she does the thing with the hands on her hips, she's like, <laughs> like She's attempting to be TMZ and failing so very hard at it. Yes! Um, <laughs> That's hard to do. Sometimes TMZ fails at being TMZ. Oh, no, no kidding. Yeah, you right. Um, no, I, I enjoy the energy that Sarah brings, and it's just, oh my god. I think, and they and the two of them just magically appear at times like, <laughs> as part of the group, when they, even though they're not officially a part of the club. Like, it's very <laughs> amusing. It's like, hey, uh, the end, for instance, hey. We want to do an article about your time at the shiny shiny thingy. Can can, can interview? Yes, please. <laughs> it's very, it's very cute and adorable, and I like it very very much. No, both of them are a lot of fun. I don't exactly have a lot to say for them right now, though. Yeah, they're a nice odd couple. They're, they're like like you were saying, they don't have to be part of the main club in order to be relevant. They're. It's kind of nice to flesh yeah. out a show, and especially a school, by showing multiple clubs. Like, I like the episode where we see the baseball club. One, because we actually get a couple of males in there, so it's like, oh, so this isn't just part a of part of the part ha- part of the five male characters. <laughs> Which does play into Megan's theory that you know this is just a show where the men only exist to uh, do what the women want. Because what are they? No. They're just there to halt, to pull the rock, drop it, and pull the their big pipe out of the ground. That's all that oh they're there God. for. Be strong, man. Hear me roar. Just roar. swing that giant pipe around like the women want. That's all that they're there for. Oh, sweet lord. <laughs> <laughs> Don't yeah, lie. 
Yeah, so, yeah, Dawn and Sarah, again, classic actors who have not turned in a bad performance in anything. I am a little mad at you, Megan, though, that of all of Dawn's performances you could have picked, you could have picked anything. You narrowed it down to first love monster of all thing, a show that I found whatever. Only I a just few picked people, three names off the wiki. Of only a few of people even remember that show. And two, the person in this call, me, who does remember that show, doesn't remember it for anything good. <laughs> I'm sorry that I did not put a better Don Bennett role in there. I might have done that on purpose to make you cry. I forgive you. <laughs> it did make me cry. I'm just saying. It made him Don. cry on the inside. He was slowly no, crying. I'm pretty sure I'm hearing outside tears over there. You're, no, you're, what you're doing is you're standing outside my window with your face pressed against the glass and a t-shirt that says sickos on it. <laughs> yes! Yes! As I hold Shenya in my arms because she has come over and headbutt me. You, 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 you just hold her and just pet her like, yes! Yes! yes. Like fucking, um, God, what's his name? Dr. Evil. No, um, Inspector Gadget. Fuck's his name? Dr. Claw? Thank Claw. you! Dr. Claw, like, yes! I'll get you, Noah! <laughs> Next time, I'll get you, Noah Clue. Next time, Noah Clue. Does that mean I get to be made out of gears and robot parts? Sweet. Why the, why the fuck not, right? <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm sorry. I want to swing back around to how they actually performed in here. They're... I will not make a bad joke about Inspector Gadget. I will not make a sex joke about Inspector Gadget. <laughs> Please don't. Okay, so moving on to talking about the other two characters. Okay. Um, kind of like kind of like uh, Stephanie, I actually didn't have that many um, lines written down for Dawn. I, I, what I wrote was that, yeah, she's a, a nice... Uh, reserved counter to Sarah's voice, um, but still really perky, too, because it's not like she's mellow and laid back. She She's still very happy. Like, all the characters in the show have, like, a zest for life, an enjoyment of the club that they are a part of, which is refreshing, because the one thing that kind of defines the moe genre um, as a negative is passivity. A lot of shows have very passive characters who are just kind of coasting through the experience and living off of the sipping tea and doing nothing all day i point to something like adventures of the going home club or a channel and shows where like not a whole lot really happens but then you get positive shows like this where that cutesiness is enhanced by their desire to actually get stuff done and uh the uh, newspaper club here both don and sarah convey that very well because they go to extremes to get the story they use their connections to help their friends out so Seeing Dawn being really happy in her role, even as she's wielding in her uh, monster child, is incredibly satisfying. And it's a nice contrast monster to what we child, normally it. get. It, it is what she child. is. And I mean that with it the is. utmost respect, because this is Sarah, this is classic flavor Sarah Wiedenheft. This is, again, this is Sana in Alice and Zoroku. This is... It is, uh, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's that. And I know that... And I'm going to call out anyone who's listening to this who maybe has a problem with actors using the same voice um, to the point that they may be recognizable in other shows. Yes, we recognize that it's Sarah Wiedenheff most of the time she's performing her voices using this particular voice. That's not a bad thing, people. It's a great archetype, and she's an amazing performer that absolutely matches the energy that you try going to the recording booth and being this fun and perky all the time. You can't do it. Only Sarah can bring that. And other actors who are in this cast as well. So I'm just going to say that for the bit parts that both uh, Usumi and uh, uh, eBay have in the show, 
very welcome addition to the cast of science nerds in this and not a problem at all. Nerds! I was going to say, when you said Sarah Widenhef playing a gremlin, I just thought of her character in Komodo Friends, the prairie dog. Oh, yeah. And specifically in the bloopers, where she just pops out of the hole and just yells, is this to your liking, Madam Buttsniff? <laughs> <laughs> yep. In her very Sarah Widenhef voice. Uh, Jet, do you want to go ahead? Uh, yeah, sure. I thought... I mean, I don't have a whole ton to say about dogs. It's just kind of, you know, there to be the voice of reason for Sarah as the chaotic gremlin. But um, I thought they did a pretty good fun of, a pretty good job of Zayato. She sounded very, she sounded very nice. She had a good head on her shoulders. And you can tell that, you know, she wanted to make sure that the newspaper club boys, you know, does the right thing and isn't, you know, out like, blackmailing people or, like, causing scandals or whatever, so... That's what she has a good head on her shoulders. Hopefully she can, you know, get a... Hopefully, you know, she can get a good job of reporting with, you know, maybe someone a little less crazy, but speaking of crazy... Uh, sir... Sir, sir we... Speaking of crazy... <laughs> uh, nice sir, segue. Sir, sir, we did have a is a lot of fun, just like this... Okay, I mean, the second she, like, ninjas her way onto this... The second she like ninjas her way onto the screen, and I knew this character was gonna be a lot of fun, and she just exudes this perfect chaotic gremlin energy. And I mean, Sarah's always been good at this sort of thing. She does like gremlin child characters really well, but like as a, as a, and true enough, she like does that really well here. Uh, this character is a lot of fun, you know. Whether you know when whether it's all her attempts to like badly blackmail the club or you know or trying to be or trying to be supportive in a or trying to be supportive in like a really obnoxious way so it's, it's a lot of fun and it's basically never a dull moment when this character is on screen so i thought sarah with a lot of fun and yeah i don't think i can really add too much to this that hasn't already been said but i like both of these sweet uh, yeah, my turn. Uh, again, I like both of these performances. I think that they complement each other very well, which is very good when you have characters like this. Uh, when you have a high-energy, low-energy character. Um, I think their voices, Dawn and Sarah's voices, very much complement each other. I think Dawn's character did blend in a little bit to the background as a performance, just because it is so very calming. And it's not as distinct because we don't get to know Utsumi as a character very well. Though she does have a very big standout moment where she starts to get Sakurai to lighten up. Yes. By bringing over the baseball club to help them out with the boring and uh, and things. And Sarah Wiedenhef as, as eBay is just a ton of fun. She's always upbeat and energetic and she steals the scenes that she's in like uh during christmas where they scold them for throwing out the breaker <laughs> yeah i love that costume just she's in the little reindeer outfit and she rocks it and i thought i i gotta agree with everybody that they did a great job and i don't have really much more to say so moving on from them we have two uh, like connections to the club but they are not members they are misa uh konohata and Moe Suzia, a.k.a. Suzu. Oh, boy! 
Misa is Mira as Mira's older sister, who's the student council president, who seems kind of more distant and aloof. But she's as goofy as her sister can be sometimes, evidenced by her taking all of her stuff out of the club, the student council room. Uh, but she's always what kind of the in your clubs, in your club room. Yeah, what do you, what do they do? What do you guys do at the student council? Um, but she's kind of the voice of reason for everything and everyone, and kind of is the adult in the room even more than the actual adult there. Yeah. Um. And Susia is uh, Mira's other childhood friend, who whose family owns a bakery where she is the mascot Moe. Moe, Moe. Moe, Moe. <laughs> uh, she's obsessed with baking and wants to make her family's bakery a nat an international chain. She is also a giant unhinged lesbian. <laughs> like, there is no subtext, only text. <laughs> There's no subtext, just Suzu. Yeah, with some of the other characters and, like, and, like, potential parents we'll be talking about later, like, I was a little annoyed that it was, like, maybe a little more subtextual than I thought it should have been. But, like, with her, like, no. There is no subtext. No, like, this character is extremely, like, what you see is what she, you get. No <laughs> subtext. Yeah, like, like at one point, when when Al gets sick, she gives them lesbian pickup lines. Yes. The best lesbian pickup lines, we might pickup add. And it's, and it's also pretty much, pretty much she was in love with with Misa and got rejected. Yep. Um, which is why she cuts her hair. Yep. Um, she also has a younger sister who we're not talking about named Megu, who is much taller than her and uh, is a little bit more handsome. Insert the uh, cross-dressing, cross-dress them into a butler. <laughs> Insert the regular show everybody thinks you're the big brother clip. <laughs> oh, thank you, regular show. The best use of that I've ever seen is when uh, the video game companies. No, uh, they did. No, they did. They did that whole scene, but with uh, Persona and Shin Megami Tensei. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. beautiful. And what's worse is that everyone thinks you're the big brother, and I, I just love all the people who are like, "Why isn't this like Persona?" And I'm just like, "You dumb motherfuckers." <laughs> that's amazing. You know what's also gay? Shin Megami Tensei Five. Which will be out by then, by now, by by the by time, the time this, we, this goes up. I'm so glad Casey gets a star in that. Yes, I'm actually picking up the game just for the dubcast. But I thought the Japanese didn't have any gay material. I thought they weren't woke enough for that. Oh my god. I mean, I mean, I mean hey, Hashido's not working on it, so like... <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah, this is a Shin Megami Tensei game. This is a persona where they have to hide it. <laughs> Shit. They can say fuck in this game and be gay. <laughs> Eat your heart out, P5. Oh, um, playing Suzu is Madeline Morris, and playing Ooh. Misa is Danny Chambers. Uh, Madeline Morris, you'll know his characters such as Midori in the After School Dice Club, Inka, Kasuga Inka Kasugatani in Fire Force, and Hotara, and Hotara Hoshikawa in New Game. Danny Chambers will know his characters such as Hinasato in Day I Became a God, Fi Fi in Endro, and Sara Garando in Island. Uh, I'll start this off. Yep. So, 
I actually could not tell that was Danny Chambers. Surprise, bitch! Like, I literally did not know that was Danny until just now. So I am also surprised. Yeah, because it sounds nothing like her. It's so much deeper and more mature than I think a lot of us are used to her her being. Or it doesn't have as much of that youthful tone. Even Chise, who's uh, the big character, I think she's known as. uh, Which? I would say, I would say that Danny is very much known as. I would say probably Chise, uh, Iris. Yeah, Chise and Mega Sprite. Iris in the East Attorney anime dub that Funimation did. Uh, and Fi Fi is still one of my personal favorites of hers. Which I do, but this yeah, was, I do think more people need to see that. Because I, I was glad you, you recommended that show when we did it last year. Because I hadn't heard very many people talking about Endro. Was Endro last year? I, I think it was. It was our, yeah, it was last year for your birthday, wasn't it? I swear to God it was something else. But it's been a long year. This, this me still trying. Me still, me still trying to process 2020. Yeah. Um, Accurate. Me still trying to process 2019. My apologize. <laughs> uh, legitimately, I am now checking. Um, let's check your answer. The answer is, what is I am the spice meme lord? <laughs> Fuck. Oh, well, no, because we did, we did Fire Force last. We recorded... No, we recorded Fire Force in 2019 because I remember coming back from. No, it was 2019. Okay, it was 2019 because remember we made a. Jo- I don't think I did a birthday episode last year. I'm sorry. T- I'm sorry. 2019 was a long decade. <laughs> did we not? No, I th- no no fuck. What the? F- oh my god, we had to have done something for my birthday. Like no, because we did Sakuraso. We didn't do it for- No, it was uh, after Song Connection was my birthday one last year. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, it was. I, yeah, I, it was after Song Connections. I can never keep track of shit I've done anymore. <laughs> <laughs> what you've done- I think I've done at least 100 episodes. I think I've done the most episodes out of all of us, so forgive me if I don't remember anything. No, that's true. Um, I, I, might, get... I might fight you on that. We need to get like no, a, a dedicated think... wiki team to keep track of all the episodes. I think we've actually, like, I might, that's what we'll make in. I think I might just have Patrick do that for us. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I'll start off. So yeah, like, oh yeah, I was already talking anyway. So yeah, this was Danny. This is not a, a Danny voice that I'm used to. And I like that she is very much a more dry humored character and a dry delivery. Mm. Uh, she has to be, she is very much the low key to her sister's high key. Uh, but she's also the low key to Suzu's high key. Mm-hmm. Uh, because... Let's face it, Madeline Morris as Suzu might be the best performance in the show. She is. I'm not gonna fight you on that because yes, <laughs> she is definitely by far one of the more energetic and funny performances, and definitely the. I think she might be the most memorable performance. Oh yes, because of how much Suzu gets to chew the scenery. Yes, like obviously there are times when Suzu is being genuine, like when she confesses to Mira. Uh, to, to Misa, not Mira. But you also have these very hilarious moments of like, where I think one of my favorite moments with him is they're on the train back from the beach and they kind of have this moment where Misa, Moe, Suzu was very jealous of Al because Al was becoming uh, Mira's new best friend. Yes. And 
they kind of have it out and they're talking in the train and then it was um, a very one-sided competition basically <laughs> al is basically like i have no idea what's happening um but i think the thing is that then they find out that um their senpais are at the pool and they get a picture and Al and, and Madeline's delivery of Suzu being being your bestie, I need you to send me these pictures. <laughs> and and Mira's actress's delivery of like, we really need to have a definition of what you consider besties. <laughs> but there there she also has this very like sly kind of delivery to some things, like where she's oh, teasing yeah. Sakurai about making the chocolates and wow, if you just let lighten up sometimes, maybe people would like you more. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I particularly but, like her, like the part where she's dressed up for their uh, their geo cafe for the school festival, yes. and she says like, "I've got an ulterior motive." You see, the number one sweet gets like top prize or something, and then she got yeah, second place. Second place, and, place oh, and she gets and the look up to the de- <laughs> like the dead. Lo- I love it. I've gotten past that. I'm fine. <laughs> this is fine. Like the look, this the dead fine. look at her face. She's just gung ho about marketing shit. It's great. hello darkness, my old friend. <laughs> But again, I the, think that's what I, and I, I really plays, like about Madeline's performance yeah. is that she is very much so energetic and so upbeat and makes the performance like she very much wears that this girl is gay on her sleeve in her performance. And but the thing is, though, I like that it never goes very stereotypical for for what I think. And, and let's be real, a lot of anime dubs, over, especially in the past, have gone for definitely very cheap. Mm-hmm. Um accents and speaking terminology for LGBTQI characters. And I like that Madeline just makes Suzu sound like an over-hyper 15-year-old. Yeah. But it's a very genuine over-hyper 15-year-old. See, I'm used to there being like a a speech affectation for gay men in anime dubs. Not so much for gay women. I'm sorry, I don't. I was gonna say potentially. I don't. Yeah, I don't think they as much get like the stereotypical butch voice. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So that's. I'm good. So whoever wants to go next. I'll go ahead. I'll I'll bounce off of that because the thing that um, did concern me just a little bit about um, the character of Suzu was that. She would be um, uh, not a stereotypical lesbian in the voice. But predatory. Yeah, yeah, predatory is what I was worried about. Yes, about her being very territorial or um, like crossing boundaries, like, you know, maybe sneaking into someone's room without their permission or stealing photos of them undressing or something like that. But she doesn't get that way. Like she gets um, like she tries to steal out in a funny way. When she finds out that she's uh, potentially going to be moving away, she like lifts her up, and she comes up with a scheme about, all right, we will be, uh, uh, we'll, we'll borrow her. We'll elope. We'll elope. Yes. Yes, we will. Elope. <laughs> and then, and then she's the one with the um, idea of doing fuck. Um, the. Yes, she. Her idea is to fuck. That that is absolutely no, the long-term the, plan. No, uh, the the sharing of the wife kind of thing. <laughs> Which again, like you, you know that it's played up for a joke. But at the same time, it's more like, okay, but maybe this could happen? Like, I, I wouldn't be mad if it did happen. <laughs> I wouldn't be mad either. <laughs> it would have been funny. It is. Um, so, I think, Jet, you have seen this, but uh, Stephanie and Lila, like, have you guys seen How Heavy Are the Dumbbells You Lift? You know that's two of the same person, right? You said... You s- know that's, let me they're say both that. Madeline characters. No, 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 no. He said Stephanie and Lila. <laughs> I'm, yeah, so oh, I'm, I'm, I was like, wait, hold on. 
Let me say that line again. No, actually, I'm not going to say it again. Keep that in the recording. So Fuck Stephanie it, we'll do Lila, it live. Both have seen... Uh, okay, Megan and Stephanie. Have either of you seen How Heavier the Dead Does You Live? Okay, because... I've seen clips. Okay, well, so you know that this is... That's another Madeline Morris role. She plays the lead character of Hibiki. Mm-hmm. And it is very much this energy. Only all, every other line as opposed to just a couple of lines. So if you like her in this, go check out that. She's not a lesbian. She's a thirsty straight teenager in that one. But it's still the same energy. Gotcha. So, so yeah, no complaints about there. She's got some of the best lines. To contrast, though, with the character who she has a crush on, which makes sense because opposites attract, she is attracted to not hyperactive uh, lesbian girl. She is attracted to uh, student council president older sister character. And that is why I think Danny Chambers gave Misa Konohata a very, you know, laid back, more dry delivery to her character, was particularly to contrast this. Um, also, uh, because, and this goes back to the siblings thing we were talking about before, Misa is the big sister of the main character who we'll talk about in two and a half sections. And she does not attempt to sound like an older version of that character, which is refreshing because that could have easily been like a cheap gimmick where you've got actors who are trying to mimic the voice style of the character who is their sibling in this. So, and this is also, like you were saying, Megan, this is a Danny Chambers uh, way of acting that I had not heard before. And I I do like, I like to see actors stretch their chops to use voices that uh, we haven't heard before. This doesn't sound like Chisei or uh, Fei Fei. Um, Fai Fai. Fai Fai, that, that one too. So I'm really glad that we get a chance to hear her uh, do this. Um, and I think she was in the show just enough. Like she didn't overpower it. She wasn't overly um, involved in the character's actions. She was in it just enough to be the good uh, adult, even though we had an adult already in the cast. <laughs> so that's what I got. Uh, Jack? Um, so yeah, I guess I'll start with Danny first because I was honestly pretty surprised this was uh, Danny as Misa. I mean, I mean, I've gotten pretty used to her doing like, you know, you know, doing a lot of like cutesy characters and stuff and, you know, of course she say so. So that sort of voice is what I'm pretty used to with Danny, but this is like and this is pretty different. And it's a little more like mature sounding, and it's a, and, it's a, and a little and like even more reserved than Chisei in a sense. So like that was interesting. And, so, and, so, and yeah, she does a pretty good job of sounding like uh, probably the most level-headed out of all these girls, especially compared to her very energetic sister. And I think that's like a really, it's a, I think that's a really interesting contrast. And she also bounces off pretty well with. Suzu and I thought their dynamic was that, that was pretty that was pretty fun. Where is it? Where is it? Where, where I mean, she wasn't like you know totally oblivious, totally oblivious to Suzu's obvious search, but was you know like playing it off pretty well. And I thought their whole thing was pretty fun. And, so, and, and, and I also thought and I also thought it was pretty. I also thought it was pretty nice when like she helped to intervene when there was a whole. A minor conflict of Al potentially moving away, and she like volunteered to give up her room. I thought that was nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, I forgot that was her her involvement. Yeah, yeah. that's a big sister energy. She was she was like, "You're just a kid. You just 
be a kid, throw a tantrum, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Where a kid can be a kid. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, and then Madeline Morris and Suzu is, yeah, it is, yeah, like, if it, if not the best performance in a dub, it is definitely, like, the most fun. It just, that it's, uh, she just, she just, she is just shooting, chewing the scenery the entire time, like, exudes, sorry, it's just exuding a whole ton of fun, like, so, I mean, when, so, I mean, when a character introduces herself with, like, you know, the most, the most amount of third set of all the characters in the show, and, like, so, so, and, like, literally, like, having someone brand that's, like, shaped like panties, it's like, okay, you can tell this character's gonna be a lot of fun. <laughs> She's that, just it, doing her best. <laughs> It's amazingly they use that amazingly they use that joke more than once, which surprised me. But <laughs> hey, it worked. But yeah, she's a lot. But yeah, she's a lot of fun. She bounces off a lot of the other characters really well. It's like uh, whether it's like, uh, whether it's me or how uh, she's just like she's just clearly having fun. She's just clearly having fun with a lot of these uh, with a lot of the other characters and and. And well, you know, she does have a lot of obvious service. They never, it's never to the point where the character comes off as like too, like too aggressive, which is, you know, definitely a very negative stereotype that could have like easily leaned into. So I'm glad, as I'm glad I didn't go that far with that. And 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 of course, whenever the character like needs to be serious for a second, Madeline can like dial it down for a sec, uh, like when she was trying. Like when there was a whole conflict about uh, Misa getting ready to move away and her needing to like confess her feelings, and I th and I thought that Madeline did did a really good job of handling that, and and, and I th and, and I thought the whole like getting a haircut thing was like pretty interesting. Uh, but yeah, I mean there really isn't much more to be said. Like Madeline, like really stole the show here. And, so, and I also enjoy Danny a lot, so these two are great, especially Madeline. Stuff? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's not a lot to add. So I, I find it interesting that basically everybody in the group is like, I've never heard Danny Chambers in a, do a big girl voice like this before. Um, I have. <laughs> well, aren't you so special? Yeah. Y'all, have you seen um, Our Last Crusade? Oh no! Uh, uh, shut up! I have seen that. Oh, oh! I have seen our last crusade, but I don't remember what character she plays in that. She is the glasses-wearing like supervisor for um the the the. the okay, the in my defense, it's been like a fucking year. Yes, <laughs> it's been a long ass year. But, um, no, yeah, the point, though, that I'm trying to make is Danny doesn't play big girl characters very often, and I like it. <laughs> I love it. I love it, I love it, I love it, because we're so used to Danny playing, like, the cutesy girls, the <coughs> the high-pitched characters. Chise is kind of in the middle ground um, in terms of her range uh, and the kinds of characters she typically plays. But, no, um, Misa is just a fun character it's not the typical cutesy but it, and it's more mature which works very well grant it's probably one of the most mature characters that danny's ever played 
mm-hmm. including Our Last Crusade, because the ca- the character she plays on that one is just a fucking troll sometimes. Um, and it's very amusing when, when that happens. Sassy troll. But, um, anyway. But, uh, no, Older Sister Misa is a lot of fun. But no, I really like Danny as the older sister. It's very mature, very sensible. She's the one with such a level head. But is it safe to say or fair to say that Misa has a little bit of a sister complex? Just just a tiny bit? No, I don't think so. Uh, by anime standards, though. No. Well, I mean, she just really loves and cares about what Mira does. Like, Mira gives her... I think she's just, like, she she may be a little bit, but nothing to the level of, like, I don't know, Nakaimo, Platinum Man. This is not Citrus. She... Not that level. She made a goddamn shrine for a rock that Mira gave her. Well, that's not... But it had a fucking smiley face on it! She made a shrine for a rock. Look, okay, not all siblings... Okay, I know that media has poisoned us to think that siblings can't get along until they're in their 50s, but some siblings do care about one another, and they are legitimately... I'm just saying, Lisa put together that shrine pretty fucking fast. I mean, 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 honestly, I mean... I don't don't know, I mean, it just... I mean, the shrine was just like a cute little thing. It honestly didn't strike me, though, like, sister complex. It's... it's, it's, I mean, like, (laughs) there's, there's... there's making a shrine and putting a happy face rock in it, and then there's having a shrine with your sister's frozen body in it. <laughs> there, there you go. We, we haven't crossed that line yet. Fair. No, but Platinum ended. <laughs> oh, great. Uh, there, is gi- there is giving your lesbian, there's giving your sister, lesbian lover, your spare bedroom, and that's where we're at right now. Oh, Lord. I mean, subtext, of course. <laughs> Chat, you know what I have stuck in my head? Know what someone needs to do now for Platinum End? Oh, no. You know the guy that has his sister in the thing of ice? No. Jet. Yes. Someone needs to put Arnold Schwarzenegger's Mr. Freeze lines over him. I mean, that sounds like a joke, but this is also the character who wears the Super Sentai costume, so... <laughs> I'm just gonna take your word for it. <laughs> Iced! What killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age! You know what else? You know what other uh, actor wore a Sentai costume? Arnold Schwarzenegger in that classic Christmas movie, Jingle All the Way. Oh, oh my god, get out of my house. <laughs> you know, Christmas is coming up, Megan, really soon. You should, you should get out the lights and the candy canes and the garland listen, and all that Listen, listen, for some people, Christmas started right after Halloween, so... Don't yeah. let Mariah have power. <laughs> I don't have control over her. She does her own shit, all right? <laughs> anyway, are we good to move on to the next No! Yeah. No! Then go on! I'm trying! I haven't even talked about the greatest disaster lesbian yet! I didn't get to talk about Suzu yet, you fuckers. God! That's a um, great phrase, disaster lesbian. <laughs> I want you to keep using it. It's great, because that describes Suzu to a T, essentially. She's a disaster lesbian. No, Maddie is, um, Madeline Morris' Suzu is such a delight. She steals, oh no, oh my shit. She steals every scene that she's in with just this fun 
upbeat energy to her, but also a lot of <laughs> a lot of the crazy like tendencies of like oh. He's like, oh, you're gonna send me those pictures, right? Yeah, uh, that's that's great, awesome, I love it. Like things like that. It's so cute and adorable, and I love Madeline, Madeline Morris for it. But yeah, Suzu does have her a little bit more serious moments too. Especially, I know part of it was for 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 the lols where she lost the sweetest treat thing during the cultural festival. But she kind of had a moment afterwards where she was kind of reflecting on it and what she wants to do, and it, it was a little bit serious for for at least a hot minute. And it's <sighs> Suzu kind of for the majority of it ends up as the comic relief character to an extent. Um, but how Madeline portrays it is just a lot of fun, a lot of energy, and she, it's honestly one of my favorite performances of the whole show, to be completely honest. So yeah, both. Madeline and Danny did great here. Now I'm done. Okay, cool. I'll the cat out. So let's move on to our next set of characters who are our beloved senpai in the club. Because no club is ever allowed to exist without a, a tearful goodbye from the senpai. Except school they life. They are Mari... What? I, I was going to say except school life because the school is closing down at the beginning of that show. They are Mari Morino, aka Monroe, and Mikage Sakura, aka Sakurai, aka Sakura. Uh, Monroe is the head of the astrology side of the club at first. Who these two get combined at the beginning of the show, and neither of them really want to do it. Or, well, Sakura doesn't want to, and Monroe kind of says, "Well, I don't like you." But eventually, by the end, they both realize that this has made them better people and closer friends. Monroe getting her nickname because, well, she's got big titties and a mole like Marilyn Monroe. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely say I was not expecting a Marilyn Monroe reference from the show. Just like, she, it's like, you have big titties. And Sakurai, well, Sakura, Sakura, Sakurai. Anyway, playing Monroe is Natalie Rose and playing Sakura is Terry Doty. Natalie Rose on those characters such as, uh, Ulti, Ariel, and Black Arrow, Tsukino and Show by Rock, and Nemesis and Luck by Luck and Logic. Terry Doty will know his characters such as uh, Takao and Azur Lane, Hiyoko Machi in Interview with Monster Girls, and Alice Kirihi and Okami-san and her seven companions. Uh, Steph, do you want to go first? Sure, why not? Um, I like these two performances a lot. Um, they're 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 really fun senpai like older classmate kind of role and you have the president and vice president of the club um but they also have a fun vocal dynamic you have because you have it's natalie rose and terry doty who have two very distinct tones of voices to them right and them as these two senpai characters is just a delight and them bouncing off of each other and having these two distinct tones works very very well having like this contrasting vocal like sound to them uh with terry we because we kind of talked about it a tiny bit when we talked about afia because terry's character is the older sister of afia's character um i had mentioned that they kind of fall to an extent in the same kind of tonal group or family in a way 
um, and it works very, very nicely, having a similarity to make to have it resemble them as siblings, but it's still enough of a difference to let them stand out on their own, um, which is a lot of a lot of fun. Uh, and then you have Natalie, who is just <laughs> really, really adorable, but also very confident. One of the reasons why. <laughs> One of the reasons why the astrology and geology clubs got merged in the first place is because, um, so in the year prior, during the cultural festival, uh, Monroe decided during the, uh, during the cultural festival to dress up, to pull a Haruhi Suzumiya and, um, <laughs> dress up in a bunny girl costume and she got in big trouble. Do geologists dream yep. of bunny girl? Basically, yes. But, I don't know, but Anaplex won't dub it. Uh, well, they're cowards. cowards. We've long established that. They also won't let them re-release Bacchano in America. Oh, extreme cowards. Anyway, um, so Monroe has this fun confidence about her, but both Natalie and Terry have kind of these interesting, like, inner conflicting turmoils about, each about themselves. So with Sakurai, she... About halfway through the show, or maybe a little before that, um, Sakurai has this inner conflict with herself about what she wants to do with her life, what she's passionate about, like her dream, because everyone around her has some sort of dream of what they want to do. Um, but she doesn't have one and she doesn't know what she wants to do. Um, and how Terry portrays that, I think, was beautiful and very well done and then Monroe and Natalie it's it's only a small little bit for Monroe but it's also very impactful so when Monroe and Sakura graduate from high school there's this moment where Monroe is looking through all these pictures um, and she's not in any of them right because she had been the one in charge of taking pictures of all of the trips and all the events and all the activities that the club had done that year. Well, the rest of the club decided as a surprise, they got together and pulled together some pictures that have Monroe in there. Because they realized that she there were no photos in the in the album that she gave um, of Monroe in there. So she found some, they found pictures, put it in there, showed it to Monroe. And she was like... Is that what I look like when I was smiling? Because she didn't know if she actually had fun while she was in the club all this time. And it's a very, it's a very small, soft moment for Natalie. And I think she, I really like how she handled that because it's like, oh, I did have fun. That's what I look like when I'm like, when I'm happy and having fun. And I'm not questioning like all this stuff because... Before that, like, both Monroe and Sakura had to deal with, like, entrance exams for college and stuff like that. So they were pretty stressed out and busy. But, um, no, they each have their own fun little inner moments uh, that kind of give a bit more complexity to the characters. And both Natalie and Terry handled it very well. So kudos to them. Oh, yeah. I'm done. <laughs> uh, Noah? Yeah, the, um, uh, let's see, how, uh... I feel a little repetitive here, and um, uh, because we're saying like this was good, this was good, this was good, 
Um, and it's not because like we weren't paying attention to it and we were like numb to it. I, I think we were actually intrigued by the like Lilac was saying, the little eccentricities of each of the yes. characters where mm -hmm. you have their archetypal designs and you're not and you're like, okay, this is gonna be a cutesy show with maybe some emotions, but maybe not a whole lot of depth to it. Mm -hmm. Um, but the senior characters give us the most. Um yes. you were mentioning about the um moment near the graduation with the photo album. What mm -hmm. stands out to me is um, the scene where she's actually helping paint the planetarium. Um, oh, yeah. That whole bit where, um, without making the other two think about it, she's getting them to, you know, press forward with the project because painting the plants is hard to do without them even noticing that that's what she's doing. Mm -hmm. And despite the... Yep. Um, and I, I do love that um, her gift at the end of graduation was the moon. So basically, she's going to be the the lead villain in uh, Despicable Me Four. God but... damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Why um, you do this? Okay, I have to ask if everybody else saw the vid the video of the got a bunch of guys who dressed up as the minions and grew, and they they did that for Halloween and they did the they did the whole we're going to steal the moon thing as their Halloween costume. I did not see that. I'll no, have to send it to you. It's pretty fucking great. Send it over. Um, yeah, so so for not playing um, Michael Scott, um, the performance of um, of these two for both, um, sorry, I lost my note here, uh, for Natalie uh, as Monroe um, was a little subdued, and she doesn't get as many dynamic parts as some of the other characters, but her voice is interesting because Natalie kind of sings songs, performs her voice. She's a little more hushed than some of the other characters, but... She's, uh, it's, it feels like she's trying to give off an affectation of calming everyone down by taking on all the worries of the world for herself so that no one else has to worry about them. Yeah. And, and, and that, again, that's unique of the voice cast. So, uh, that was a, that's an interesting choice for Natalie's performance. Cause I don't remember what the archetype was in the Japanese. Like, I don't know if it's that much different from what Natalie was doing, but it was certainly fit for English. And that, that's what we praise on this uh, podcast is people being able to take uh, characters that have a Japanese archetype and give it one in English that fits, one that isn't a mimic, but fits for the English language. Similarly, um, the... <laughs> oh boy, here. So Terry's performance of Sakura is also interesting because uh, this is getting into the depth that I think more people can relate to. Like, not everyone can relate to Natalie's uh, always being in charge mentality, but let's take a show of hands here. How many people in this call, and even people listening there, you can raise your hand too, have had instances in their life where they didn't feel like they knew what they wanted to do in the future? Oh, God, that was my yes. senior year. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's me basically every day. So, uh. <laughs> But you'll get there, Jet. We will get you there one day. You will have your aha moment. I guarantee it. Um, but that was, uh, that's the part of Sakura's, of Sakura's uh, character that it doesn't really come into play until a little bit later in the show. In fact, it's not until we get that mineral, that, uh, yeah, going to the mineral show thing yes. in episode four, where, um, was it four or five? No, it was five. I'm sorry. And so uh, I, I like that the show kind of held off on that. Um, there are some shows where they front load you with, this is my personality quirk, or this is my gimmick right at the beginning of the show. But this show rewards you for paying attention and gradually gets into the minds of some of the side characters as we go along. And Terry's, um, uh, how do I describe this here? Her, how did I write it down? I think I wrote it as 
her voice isn't as squeaky as some of the other younger characters, so it gives her that sense of maturity that contrasts the younger characters. Um, and, and especially in a show like this, which is kind of dry in its descriptions of geology, which um, Sakura is more interested in, um, it's kind of nice to have someone who's serious about it. They're not, uh, I suppose, they're not obsessed with it to the point that they're unsociable. They're interested in this and they want to know more. And that is admirable. So, mm-hmm. yeah, mimicking what um, Steph said here, these two did exactly what we wanted for these characters. Uh, yeah, let me go next then. And, um, I really like that they use Terry as one of the char- the actresses, uh, the characters of this. I don't think that Terry gets to be in a lot of these, like, cutesy moe shows that she deserves to be in. And frankly, I think that, uh, really? Terry Doty is just an underutilized actress in general because I've never really disliked a lot of her performances. Same. Um, yeah. I really, I really like her performance as Sakura because she is very much the one that you never get to learn who what her dream is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that she kind of stays as the one person who doesn't really know what they're doing, but she knows what she needs to do to do it. And I really like the sense of... I think that she has a personality the way that she does because she's afraid to be open and vulnerable. And that's something that I think Terry got across very well in her performance. I think that she for sure really nailed the scene where the guys help her start boring stuff. And she talks about, well, I always thought everybody would think I was boring, no pun intended, that I would be passionate about something. And I think as a person too, that I am very much the same way where like, Sakurai is very clearly invested in her thing and she doesn't like if people don't like it. Yeah. And she doesn't like to share. And and at first I like the fact that she is very hesitant about it. But then by the end of it, she does even remember stuff for them because she is grown as a person. And I really think that Terry's performance really takes that through in that it's a very easy that you could have made Sakurai's performance just like a standoffish Sundere when she is more of a well-rounded person through her work. And Natalie as Monroe is very much, um, it's very much a Natalie performance. Natalie has a very distinct voice, but I think that she really does capture Monroe's sense of being, because one of the things I do appreciate about the show is I actually never caught on that Monroe never felt like she was having fun. Yeah. And the only time that you really kind of see her really express herself is when she talks about wanting to be an astronaut. And those scenes of when she, Sakura, talks for her, and you realize that they've become, despite being enemies at first, very close friends. And I like how it's Sakura she talks to about when she's trying to jump to touch the rocket and she can't. (laughs) <laughs> and she's like and just well no it's a very and just natalie's delivery of his space is so far away yeah. it's like this very wanting thing and like uh, like steph said she really did nail the part where she she's like did i have fun yeah like you never would have expected you, it yeah you can imagine so um jet do you want to go ahead 
Uh, uh, yeah, sure. Um, so it's what I got for Terry Doty. I don't get to talk about her in a lot of things, but, uh, but I've always thought that she was a pretty good actor and I liked her a lot here. Um, she did a pretty good job of, you know, sounding like the serious one as Sakura, but never to the point of, you know, being too prickly or overbearing. As an Anastasia, had that pretty well and it made for some pretty fun interactions. Especially like with Miro, like that, like with that one bit where they're going to like the museum and Miro's like terrified the entire time because she thinks that Sakura is angry at her for some reason and thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> uh, but she, uh, but she bounces up a lot of the characters pretty well, especially as I, a, a, especially Monroe, and they have like a pretty good dynamic. And like you guys were saying, I thought, uh, I thought uh, Terry did a pretty good job of handling her whole like. In a conflict with not really fully knowing what she wanted, what she wants to do with herself, and kind of you know dealing with the fear that other people think her hobbies are boring, which is eh, which is you know something that always feels relatable to us there. And so yeah, I thought that so I thought that Terry did a really good job of handling that, and and, and, and that whole and that whole arc was pretty interesting. Uh, so, uh, likewise, I thought. Uh, I thought Natalie did a pretty good job as Borino. Um, so I thought the performance had like a had like a pretty uh, decent RR energy to it, and you know she sounds very much like the relaxed one of the group. And again, I wasn't expecting a Marilyn Monroe joke about her, but that was like pretty amusing. Uh, it's a so more as, it's more subtle in the the Japanese because I, I had to look up whether. That was the actual joke in the Japanese, and they don't say the word Marilyn Monroe. They just say, uh, they say, why Monroe? And she's like, well, you got a mole and big boobs. And they're like, that makes sense. So I guess it was more subdued in the original. <laughs> I was, I, yeah, I'm surprised it was subdued because I have, because I have at least, couple, because I have, like, seen a couple of anime that were, like, pretty explicit about referencing Marilyn Monroe, so... I'm a little surprised that wasn't explicit, but okay. <laughs> Why <laughs> uh, but, not? Uh, uh, but, uh, but yeah, I thought that Natalie, I thought that Natalie did a pretty good job of trying to like the you know the very relaxed and down to earth one, and she was a lot of fun, and she and she did a pretty good job of bouncing off of uh, bouncing off of Terry, who was like constantly serious, and and I did like and I did like the whole like. Halfway towards the end with graduation, where like, where you where you realize that yeah, she's kind of been struggling this whole time with, uh, with having to deal with the responsibilities of, of being a club leader and feeling like she wasn't really having as much fun as she thought she was supposed to, and then, and then, and then realize that she did that she did generally have a good time. During everything, and I thought that Natalie did a really good job of making that whole thing sound sincere. And again, I really liked her whole her whole dynamic with Sakura, and I thought and I thought it was pretty interesting that they that they decided they wanted to go to the same college together, and that they're basically roommates now. So that's cute. Yeah, it's very <laughs> cute. Another subtextual possible lesbian couple. Dot dot dot. That's chat. Who knows? Anyway, uh, are we going to move on to the next set of characters? Yeah, yes. As old boy, we they can are. <laughs> they are our student, our teacher advisor, Miss Yuki Endo, and my Inose, the uh, 
the other member of the geology club who eventually ends up becoming the club president after Monroe and Sakura leave. Uh, she is known as Miss Inose, playing Yuki Endoi. Is Megan Shipman and playing Inose is Burn April. Megan Shipman, you'll know his characters such as Sono from 18 If, Homura and Dr. Stone, and Snow White in the Magical Girl Raising Project. Uh, Burn April, you'll know his characters such as Mimosa Vermilion and Black Clover, Akane Sakurada and Castletown Dandelion, and Sumugi Harudi and Soul Eater Knot. Uh, Steph, kick us off. I still need to watch the dub of Castletown. I'm realizing. <laughs> I've you really seen... don't. Listen, listen, I've seen the show in Japanese, so why not, right? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I was just wasn't... I've got memories of Castletown Dandelion, most of them being, why is this, how, what, logic, what? Listen, it's one of those shows where you have to turn your brain off. Anyway, um, let's see. I'm using it. <laughs> I need to use my brain, guys. Uh, I'm going to start with Bryn on this one. Bryn is a sweet cinnamon roll. Cinnamon roll. Too good and pure for this earth. Inose, Inose is a sweet cinnamon roll. Too good and pure for this earth. That is basically this Did character in a nutshell. Did call her that at one point? Then who? Didn't yeah, Suzu I think she does call her a cinnamon roll. I, she called Suzu called someone a cinnamon roll at one point in the show. I couldn't remember which one though. It's probably it might have been Inose. It's probably Inose, considering Suzu seems to have like second to Misa, she has a thing for Inose. <laughs> um, no, Bryn is just so sweet and adorable. She has, she is the moral center uh, in this crazy group because you have, because you have like. Monroe, who has this confident kind of like out there energy, sometimes occasional troll. You have Sakurai, who is the more mature, like st almost strict a little bit. And then you have, of course, Mira and Ao, who are kind of like Mira tends to be in her own little world half the time, and <laughs> Ao is just ki is trying to come out of her shell. So Inose is this moral center that kind of holds the group together because she plays to both the geology and the ast astronomy sides and she just tries to be a good friend to everybody. And Bryn, I think, does a phenomenal job with that. And then, similar to the two senpais, Inose does have a little bit as well because she becomes president of the Earth Sciences Club very abruptly. And Inose is trying to... Inose is doing that thing where she's trying to figure out what kind of president she wants to be um which is very typical of high school um shows like this uh and you know so even actually gets to be a badass for a minute and do this whole like testing thing um i can't remember the name mm -hmm. of the testing not shiny shiny thing but uh oh Earth um science, the Olympiad. science yes Olympiad. thank you she decides fuck it i'm gonna do it why not this will be and fun. she bombs hard. She bombs pretty hard. <laughs> but she's like, I'm still glad I did it. I mean, it's still pretty cool that I did it. And she made a friend along the way. Uh, and then, okay. We were talking about Danny Chambers and big girl voices before. I have never heard Megan Shipman do a big girl voice before. And this is it here. Like, Really? As far as I can remember, I've never heard Megan Shipman do like an older character. It's almost a similar vein of, like, fucking, um, Macy Ann Johnson, who plays the teacher in Hig the new Higarashi dub. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's similar to that regard. Uh, 
But Miss Endo, Jesus Christ, Miss Endo, she's a good teacher, she's a good advisor, she, she's able to predict what her students are essentially going to do, like, she always has the answer, like, <laughs> I put yeah, the barbecue on the menu, on the schedule already. I put the barbecue on the schedule already, oh, you want to go ch- check out the stars? I already got you permission with the roof key, here you go, happy birthday. Uh, like, she's a really <laughs> good teacher and advisor on that regard. Um, she's also... She also fits in with the girls, too, because she is such a nerdy person herself. Because we find out she's also always been into astronomy as well. She got the kid, the girls to go to um, Jack's um, because, like, because she's been there before. And because also we find out her grandfather is really into astronomy. She, she, we find out Miss Endo also did the shiny, shiny thingy <laughs> before where she mm-hmm. met a couple of friends as well. One of them who also ended up being a teacher and being, I think the uh, chaperone for, I think it was. She's the chaperone for Lexus's Alexis's girl. girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, it goes to show that your your love of sciences and things like that can still like ha- still give you that passion and that fire. Um, and Megan's Miss Endo, I think, portrays that very very well. She's she's just a lot of fun. I love it so much. Uh, but no, both Megan and Bryn do fantastic work here as well. So it's, there's not really a bad performance in the bunch. So <laughs> Jet, go ahead. Um. Okay, uh, so I think I will actually start with Megan Chippen. I was that uh, that uh, like type of thing. I'm not quite used to her uh, playing older characters, but I thought she did a pretty. So I, so I thought she did a pretty solid job here. She came up with like a very, and uh, Susan came up with like a very laid back teacher. This. Um, you know, like, especially everything when it came to stuff like during stuff like when they were having the barbecue and she was like, you know, spending the whole time in the corner just like taking a nap or something. I thought yeah. that was really funny. <laughs> Wake me up when the meat is cooked. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it, it, she's just laid back like that a lot of the time, but you can also tell that she's like very supportive of her students and I thought that uh, Megan got that across really well. Mm-hmm. It's, and, and, you know, she could also be, like, responsible where she needs to be. Like, I like I thought it was fu- like I thought it was pretty funny, like, when they were going on the Jackson trip, and she, and, like, she wouldn't let the grandpa come along because it was supposed to be the kids' vacation. I thought that was, like, pretty amusing. But she, but she did buy, but she did at least buy him a Jackson hat. And that was Yes, nice. that was cute. <laughs> yeah. He just really wanted to go, and he's like, no. We got what are hat. you going to buy? What didn't you buy? What didn't you buy, Mira? <laughs> you buy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It wasn't super surprising to learn that she was like into asteroids when she was younger, and I thought it was nice to see they did a pretty good job of helping like Mira and Alalog, and uh, and so I thought like Megan did a pretty good job of making her sound uh, very supportive towards them. And it was also uh, a little amusing to learn that uh, apparently she was like a lot more serious than when she was younger because it's hard to imagine this character ever being that serious. Yeah. She's very more lackadaisical when she's older. Yes. That's not uncommon. Once you've gotten the, the serious out of your system, you're like, wait, I can bullshit now? All right. I can bullshit now. Nice. Yeah. As a, as a, and then... Okay, and then um, Afia, I, I think, okay, I, 
Was it's it, Bryn? Uh, mean Bryn. Was it, uh, yeah, Bryn. My bad. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm looking at my notes wrong. Ah, oh, there we go. Uh, Brisa, yeah, so Brynn, as you know, say uh, she did a pretty... Uh, I, I liked her performance a lot. She sounded very polite and sweet, and uh, you can tell right away that, like, next to Sakurai, she's probably, like, the most responsible one in the group. And I thought that early on, she did a pretty good job of sounding, uh, did see a fair chunk of the time, but also being, like, friendly and insightful when it counted. So, I guess on hindsight, it's not, like, super surprising she ended up becoming president. I also thought her whole, like, obsession with maps was uh, pretty interesting. Oh, yeah, and, that's right. That was so cute. So, yeah, so, yeah, uh, yeah, and, uh, and Brynn did a pretty good job of getting across her enthusiasm. Uh, but, yeah, I feel like the point where the character really comes into her own the most is when she has to become the new club president. Mm-hmm. And Brynn did a really good job of selling a lot of her anxiety and were being put in charge. Yeah. When, you know, the character herself seems a little too reserved to be in a position of authority. And you can kind of tell that she had a lot of time, a lot of a tough time struggling with that early on, and Brynn did a really great job of uh, getting that across. And like as the character kind of gets more uh, confident and comfortable in the role, you can definitely hear that in Brynn's performance, and I thought she handled that evolution really well. And yeah, uh, really nothing to complain about. Uh, both these ladies did a good job, and especially Brynn, uh, really great. Uh, Noah. I, I am going to be a little critical, and this goes, again, um, not to the performances, but just to the archetypes of the show itself on the Japanese side, which is that I feel like um, uh, while Bryn's performance of Inose is um, exactly what the character needs, it's also a little similar to Tia's performance of Tamori uh, that we meet near the end of the show. Um, so she has to stand out from that, and I feel like the way that Bryn does that is uh, kind of exemplified in her, uh, one of her earliest lines where they're talking about how the club has only five members and they kind of wish they had one more so they could evenly balance out the earth and the um, astronomy side of it. And so Inose's response is, that's okay, I'll have enough energy for two! Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which is, uh, it's not only emblematic of the way that uh, Bryn brings a lot of energy to the character, it's also uh, fitting because Inose kind of comes up with the schemes throughout the show. If you pay attention to um, people who come up with ideas for what they're going to do, it's kind of Inose's idea. If I remember Usually, correctly, yeah. Yeah, it was her idea to have the Geo Cafe for their uh, culture club uh, idea. It was a couple of ideas of hers that uh, paid off when she became president as well. So, you know, contrast to president and vice president, Inose was really the one who had the schemes that made the club function at all. And I, I'm going to... Uh, so that's a criticism I have, though, is just that it sounds a little similar to Tia's performance. But again, that's just because it's a higher-pitched archetype that um, it, 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 if it's performed well, yet all you have to do is really hold that energy without letting it, you know, like, spike the microphone. And Bryn does that mm-hmm. absolutely well. Uh, and I do love that she gets to... Uh, as you say, flex her um, uh, her shine. She gets to shine a little bit more in the parts where she's taking on challenges like signing up for the uh, Olympiad event, which I thought there were going to be sporting events involved. No, 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 Mira, no, no not that kind no. of Olympiad. My sweet summer child, no. <laughs> no. But, yeah. So, yeah, so we know Say is an interesting addition to the whole uh, to the whole cast as, like you were saying, the mediator kind of between 
the earth and the sky, as it were. She even, in like a flashback scene, she says, I tried to be the, take the neutral ground in between um, Sakura and Monroe when they were fighting with each other. Yep. Heaven and earth. Man. Man. <laughs> yes. She was mad. Man, man, you man. She was uh, man. Yes. So, yeah, she's good. Um, now, uh, now you guys say that um, uh, Endo was uh, their teacher, their faculty advisor? Ah, uh, yes. Yes. Okay, well, um, I don't believe you, because uh, the way she's designed, I thought she was just another student. Yeah! Yeah! Yeah, yeah. same! That's, that's, that's fair. It, <laughs> that's it's fair. A, it's a Doga Kobo thing. The adults still look like children. I'm, it's just the way it, it's it, designed. It's, it's fair. <laughs> yeah. It's a fair assessment. And and even with those like the the immaturities that Endo has, um, balanced out with the um, uh, rally the troops uh, moment she has, she is treated less like a teacher and more like just a big sister or an older member of the club, which is perfectly fitting for the way that Megan portrays her. Um, now, Lilac, you said that you you haven't really, or at least don't remember her doing a big girl voice like this before. Like, you're more used to her uh, more Moe voices. Not more that I can immediately think of, yeah. So you haven't seen Unless Citrus, you magically you? remember one that I might have seen before. Because that's always possible. <laughs> it's... Well, that's what I'm asking, is you haven't seen Citrus yet, have you? I have seen Citrus. That's not that much... I thought Steph was on that episode. Oh, wait, no, that was Andrew. No, I wasn't no. on that one, no. but... No, wait, that was Andrew. No. She didn't grab that hello hanging fruit. Mm, that's but not that her, uh, much of a yeah, big um, girl her voice. Yeah, her yuzu is, um, you know, it, well, they're supposed to portray more mature high school students. So, yeah, she gets to use her more yeah. big girl voice in that. Yeah, not that much big girl voice on that one. But I'm just saying, it's not Alba. Right. It's the not Alba from New Game. Yeah, Stark. Yeah. <laughs> Very Stark. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, so Megan getting to do this kind of voice, um, it unfortunately means that she doesn't really have any quirks in her voice. It's, uh, it sounds like what I believe from because uh, we have actually met her before. We got to meet her um, at um, Anime Fest a couple years ago. Uh, this voice is just very much closer to her natural speaking voice. And if you can take your natural speaking voice and still voice act with it, that is in itself a very good uh, trait to have. Some people have dynamic, standout, natural speaking voices, and they can also just be good actors. And some people just have more natural sounding voices that can also perform what's written on the page pretty well. Yes. So for uh, for everyone was saying about how Endo is a good um, adult figure for the other characters, it's per it's carried on because Megan has that kind of. Um, kind of um, natural maturity to her natural speaking voice. And I do kind of uh, hope that she gets to uh, use that in more roles and doesn't just get relegated to the uh, cutesier voices in the future. Uh, yeah, I'll, um, I'll definitely I'll definitely go over to these guys. Uh, I'll start with Megan as Yuki. I like the fact that she was a little bit more sisterly because usually in shows the faculty manager, the faculty teacher is usually a one-off thing or a stereotype. And I like the fact that she was able to really get across how Endo uh, can emote and relate to the girls because she was once those girls. Mm -hmm. So I really liked it there. Obviously, I like the parts where they're like, wow, so much for being an adult, like when she can't eat the spicy food. Yes. Um, 
Also, shout out to the fact that her grandpa's friend played by Brendan Flavor. <laughs> oh, is that who plays grandpa? Yeah, yeah that was that was that was Brendan Flavor. That's adorable. Um, no, so I think that they she did a good job getting that across. I really like the sense of like youthful maturity. Like she doesn't sound too old, but she also doesn't sound too young. Uh, but again, the thing I really like about her performance is how genuine she does sound about how the person she once was. And how she encourages them to be the people that they want to be. And she does still sh- uh, scold them sometimes, like when Al pulls her stunt. But, you know, shit happens. Um, yeah. And then, I really like Bryn's performance as Inose. I really enjoy the fact that she finds her passion in map making. I think that is such an interesting way to get across this character that she finds joy not in discovering things for herself all the time, but for putting things together for others to destroy, just discover. Yes. And I think that she get Bryn gets that line of bubbly energy and calm mediator down to a T. I think that this is a performance that really encapsulates a lot of what I think people really like about Brene Paul's acting. And I'm glad that it got to be put on display here. I also really like when she makes friends with that girl with the Olympiad yes. and you find out she, she has trouble and she like yells and screams and she doesn't really understand what's going on. But I also really like that she of all people, that she and a lot of the other girls also experience failure mm-hmm. and that they pick up from it. Like, I love how she talks so nonchalantly about failure, how she fails the Olympiad test. And that gives uh, Monroe confidence because Monroe hadn't gotten her thing as quickly as right. her, Sakura. Her acceptance letter, yep. Letter. And I really like just her scene of like, I'm going to go do this thing. And I thought she also has those really cute moments, like how she tries, she almost misses a test because she gets distracted by the back alley. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's all I got to say about my uh, Inose and Endo. So let's get to our last two characters. Yay. The big, the the not as overt lesbians, but they're totally lesbians. Do we get the uh, lesbian Gemini in the sky finally? Yes. Mira and Mira Konohata and Ao Banka. Mira is a energetic doofus. I love who her. Who really wants to find an asteroid after she meets a little boy who, who what she thinks is a little boy as a childhood. Turns out that it is Al, who is a girl who looks very boyish. Al also wants to find the asteroid after their promise and is a lot more soft-spoken and reserved, but is trying to get them themselves more out there and eventually learns that sometimes you've got to just go for it and be a child instead of giving up on your dreams. Playing Mira is Lindsay Seidel, and playing Al is Morgan Berry. Lindsay Seidel, you'll know his characters such as Maya Faye and Ace Attorney, Tama, Sakai in Defrag, and Arius Bor- Aris Boreas Greyrat. Oh, Jesus. Bam, 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 bam. Fuck you. Fuck you, Isakai names. <laughs> in Jobless Reincarnation, Morgan Berry, you'll know for their work as Akihiko Arai in Barakamon, Sorane Matsuyama in. In Bokudan, if my favorite pop idol made it to the Bokudan, I would die. And love, lo- and, <laughs> and love, love, shine, shine, 
Love Life Sunshine in no uh Yoshiko Tsushima in aka Yohane in Love Life Sunshine. I had to look up that um, title to make sure that that was an actual title and you weren't just venting. Yes, it is an actual <laughs> No, that's a real thing. Uh so is the name Arius Bora Aria Aris Boreas Grey Rat, who deserves to be in a better anime. <laughs> I could be its own like YouTube. Se- I could be its own YouTube series. And next on should have been deserved to be in a better anime. <laughs> you deserve to fall in love with the better character, not fucking Rudy. <laughs> Fuck that kid. Anakin, Order sixty six. That little <laughs> shit. Um. Oh. Uh, let's get this started with Noah. That's dark. That's just dark. There. That's like. Mandalorian dark. Wow. Okay, we, we can take the that's alright, we can take the darkness of the universe and tie it into these bright sunshine characters because uh Doofus is a pretty apt description for Mira, and in all the most loving, affectionate ways we could possibly use that phrase. And Lindsay Seidel was absolutely on the ball for this performance. Uh you were saying that this was a su- that this was mostly recorded in quarantine, right? Uh, I believe so. But it's more like the, more than likely, yes. Like the timeline seems to line up, right? Um, that makes this doubly impressive because, okay, so Lindsay's portrayal of Mira is, uh, and this was the note that I put on my sheet in front of me, more energetic than even the animation could match it. Like there's scenes where the animation, which for the most part, the overall animation is pretty standard, basic, talking heads kind of animation. And then there's scenes where Lindsay's audio coming out of Mira is just so cutesy and syrupy and I don't want to say over the top. I I guess I just want to say full of life that Mm -hmm. it kind of portrays the basic lip flaps. It is that it's like it's trying to break the screen and the frame rate to be more over the top than the character design can even give it. And I mean... Okay, so just to give a context, yes. they got up to episode five in the studio okay. before they... Um, before they had to switch over. They got up to at least... They did the first four episodes at least in the studio. Okay, so they got through the summer camp and right about the time they were planning for the culture festival mm-hmm. is when they started doing it from home. Okay. Yeah. All right. And that's... I'm, I mean... Knowing that in context, I'm sure I could go back and look for, like, noticeable differences. But just watching it as a straight marathon, I didn't notice a drop in quality between the episodes. Neither did I. So, so good on you guys. You guys did an amazing job. Um, yeah, I'm gonna... Again, Lindsay uh, is supposed to be portraying, like, the most archetypal Moe voice that uh, Mira has. And it is held together and very well. To the point that even her angry voice is adorable. There's scenes where she gets upset. She calls people, you're a big fat liar. And it's still really, really cute. I just yep. want to take this character home with me and, you know, feed her. And I, I want to help her find her asteroid. Oh my The poor gosh. girl deserves it. Put this girl on the magic school bus and help her find her asteroid, for God's sakes. In fact, she is so great that I don't think Ao deserves her, honestly. Because Ow Wow! That's a bold <laughs> statement. Sir. That's mean! So, I think I just I think that Ow needs to work a little harder for her Mira because what does Ow do throughout the show to, you know, earn Mira's affection? Have anxiety. 
she's got a lot of i'm saying she's got to hold up her end of the lesbian bargain it's relationships are not 50 50 they're 100 100 and mira is doing 150 percent of the work that's all i'm saying but how does uh morgan actually portray Ao? Uh, Morgan, uh, gets to go into the more lower pitch, and because that, uh, is supposed to kind of, um, be like a boy voice, or at least in the flashback scenes, um, I kind of assumed that, uh, Morgan was going to do the same thing in the present day, but it really isn't. Like, I never got the sense that Al was supposed to be, like, really tomboyish, or at least androgynous. Um, the inflections still feel very feminine to me it's just a slightly lower pitch closer to um uh i lost my flash here uh closer to terry's performance uh they're just in that lower pitch compared to some of the other characters but um i was kind of impressed near the last third of the show because ow is threatened with um having to move because her dad gets a new job that is where Morgan actually gets to be a lot more emotional. She gets to have a bit of a breakdown. She gets to be a little more selfish. And she actually has to fight for something that she wants. Whereas throughout the rest of the show, Al was being a little more passive in the involvement, was just going along with them to different places, going with them to a beach competition. But here she actually has to fight for something. And that's where Morgan gets to, you know, flex the chops of Al, as it were. I still think that Mira could do a little bit better. But uh, as far as, like, contrasting off of each other, they are the heart and soul of the show, and I'm sure later on in the manga, they will find that asteroid. It's just so awesome. Hear Thanks, Noah. Jet, go ahead. Uh, sure. Uh, I will start with Morgan Berry. Is ow. I, it's, uh, I thought she did a pretty good job of making her, you know, sound very... Uh, sound very quiet and kind of reserved compared to uh, uh, compared to Mira, who is you know very energetic. And so, and so, and contrast to that, uh, Ao is very like awkward. So, uh, so, uh, it's very awkward, especially when it comes to Mira. And I thought that that I thought that that was really cute. I also appreciated that uh, that Morgan. Sounded a little boyish or boyish compared to some of the other girls, which definitely helped to, you know, uh, play into the whole initial confusion where Mira initially thought Ow was a boy, which, which, which I appreciate, which I appreciate that they didn't like dwell too long on that. It was just like, oh, you're a girl, cool, and they move on. <laughs> I honestly thought that was going to be a reveal, like uh, that Ow was actually transgender, but uh, no, they dropped that pretty quickly. Oh yeah, that dropped. That got dropped very fast. Yeah. It's like, no, yeah, it's me. What? <laughs> I mean, you can always. I mean, you can always canon them as non-binary, just like their act. That's true. That's true. Their act, their performer. Yeah. yeah. But the yeah, but Morgan did a. Yeah, but yeah, not Morgan did a really good job of just making Al sound like you know perpetually awkward and kind of. And kind of and kind of dorky and a lot of her interacts with Mira, but. And I, and I kind of, and I kind of blanked a little bit of her conflict later on in the show when there's the, uh, when there's the whole thing about her parents moving away and her, so, and her having to like make a case for herself as to trying to like move in with Mira and it's a, it's a, and needing to say that to her parents a bit. I mean that could be, I mean that could be a bit of a rough thing to deal with as a kid. So I thought that uh, Morgan did a really good job of portraying that. 
as and 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 I thought he did an equally good job. So, and when it came to the whole like side slipping things and and her like and her decided to just like throw a cost of the wind and go with Mira no matter what because it really means a lot to her to have their dream fulfilled and I thought that Morgan did a really good job of getting her determination across. And and so and yeah, like Morgan just did a really good job with her and Lindsay Seidel is Mira is uh, really interesting because it's the same voice she did for Akane and Grinman, but then it's like but a lot more exaggerated, which is uh honestly kind of surprising, but it certainly works. It it does a really good job of making Mira sound like cute as a button. And no, <laughs> 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 yeah, she is, you're right. <laughs> it's and it's and and, 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 and yeah, so yeah, so it's just fun watching her like bounce off of a lot of the other characters and sound like over enthusiastic about about like literally everything, especially compared to how and it makes and it, and it makes her whole dynamic pretty fun. It also like I feel just and I also appreciate that the tone of voice is kind of makes like some of the things she say just sound. I don't know if maybe not unintentionally funny, just like funnier than they would be if she were doing like. A regular voice, like, like I don't want to keep harping on it, but just like when it, but just like hearing her in that like extremely weird, almost cute voice, saying like, "Oh, she has Marilyn Monroe boobs," is like really funny to me for some reason. <laughs> the way she says it, it, it like, no, you know, yeah, it's so good because Mira's one of Mira's things is that she loves giving nicknames to everybody and everybody. The way she explained Monroe's was great. <laughs> you just don't expect this cute girl to be like, "You get your boobs are huge." <laughs> Basically, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but that was pretty. Yeah, but that was pretty funny. But uh, so, yeah, but of course, you know, whenever uh, Mira has to be like a little more serious, like you know, going back to the whole uh, conflict with Al, that with Al and her parents, I thought that so I thought that Lizzie did a pretty good job of handling that and trying to help Al stand up for herself and you know also making a case with her sister and. And I thought that Lindy handled all that extremely well. And and of course, towards the end, when they're like doing the whole, I uh, want to do the whole like chatty talent thing, and they're trying and uh, ultimately failing to find her asteroid, and kind of dealing with the disappointment from that. I thought that I thought that Lindy did a good, a good job of selling, selling the disappointment, but also that. But also the determination to like keep going for a dream, and it's an they handle that really well, and I hope they do find their asteroid someday. Admittedly, <laughs> I was admittedly I was a little annoyed they showed and end with them finding it, but I mean, yeah, I guess it is an ongoing manga, so yeah. I mean, I do like the that whole message they have about how no, we didn't find it, but our research will be useful to those in the future, and hey, we'll yes. we'll keep looking for it. But yeah, for an anime story that doesn't intend to continue the story, that is kind of underwhelming. Uh, Steph, did you go I yet? Uh, let's see. Let's start with Morgan. Uh, Morgan is out. Um, I'm going to largely agree to what's been said about these two already. Uh, Morgan as Al <laughs> is, very pre is very, very sweet. And just Al is very timid and shy at the start. Um... 
Mostly because you learn very quickly that <laughs> kids say the darndest things. So <laughs> I guess either in elementary school or middle school, Al said something. It was, it was middle, middle school. school. Al had said something about being like getting all wet or some shit. And it was taken completely out of context because, of course, it was. So I was just like, I'm just not going to say anything anymore. <laughs> um, so poor Al. But um, over the course of the show, Al and by extension, Morgan um, gets to open up the open up the character a bit more, bring the walls down, be a bit more active in the conversation, and be more of themselves um, than what we originally first see out to be. Um, and I think Morgan does a phenomenal job just not only as this fun, kind of nerdy, but also timid character, and also having to counteract with Lindsay's Mira having this different tone of voice to her, to, to Al. And it just makes for a fun dynamic and back and forth between Al and Mira. Now, okay. So if Bryn's Inose is a sweet cinnamon roll, too good and pure for this earth, Lindsay's Mira is just pure fucking sugar. <laughs> just like, a pixie stick. Just a pixie stick. It's just a pixie stick, and it's just so cute and precious, and you just want to give her a big ol' hug, because she's so adorable. Um, the tone of- the the performance actually reminds me not of Akane from Gridman, but, um... <laughs> Noah, you might have to help me here. Uh, her character from Konohana Kitan. Uh, Yuzu? Yuzu, Yuzu, thank you. It is Yuzu. Got it written down here somewhere. It, Continue to talk while I verify. I, I'm pretty sure it's Yuzu. Um, because that character is very sweet and like a sugary, like sweet, cutesy kind of voice. And it, it it works here again very well with Mira. Because Mira is just like this energetic, kind of a goofball. Um, just like so determined. It's like, we're gonna find that asteroid. We're gonna do it. And she also is struggling and learning new things because she's not still not that great when it comes to astronomy and it's just this fun sweet sugary goodness from Lindsay that just works so so well with the character and again is a great balance to morgan's owl and the kind of a little bit quiet timid nature that Al does have and that the character carries over the course of the show um no oh yeah these two are so cute and adorable and precious, and I love them. I love them a lot. Mir is a good girl. <laughs> they're Which all good. They're all good girls. They're all good they're girls. They're all good girls. Except they forgot to write uh, their name so on a test. <laughs> that was just Al because she was so excited. Yes. That's nonsense, though. Like, who gives a person a zero just because they wrote the wrong name on a test? It's Noah. There are a lot of asshole teachers. Out Apparently. There. <laughs> Uh, I'll start with uh, I'll start with Morgan and their their work as Al. I should really like this. I like that more. A lot of times when Morgan plays um, characters, they are genuinely usually like little boys or more hyperactive female characters. See Moraha and Yashihime and Yoshiko. Yes. Um, 
So having her get to play a female character that is a bit more uh, subdued, but has their moments of freak out. Like, I love how everybody freaks out whenever Al screams. Yep. <laughs> uh, and especially when her mom's trying to get pictures of her. She's like, Mom! Mom, no! I don't need pictures of me in the maid outfit. outfit. <laughs> but no, I really like that Morgan's performance does get kind of this gentle nature of Al across and how dedicated they are. I will say my one actual big complaint of the show is that Al basically gets to do the shiny the shiny challenge, even though she didn't get to do the shiny yeah. challenge. They just kind of hand wave that away. Yeah, <laughs> they kind of eh, you're observing. You're already you're here. Observing. What um, it's do? fine. What are we gonna fucking do? Send you home? Um, I mean, yes. Swim you could. back, motherfucker. I mean, yes, you could have fun home. swimming, bitch. <laughs> uh, but no, I. I Again, and I appreciate Morgan's a lot like Terry, where I don't think they utilize Morgan's full range a lot. Mm -hmm. I do think that Morgan deserves to get a lot more leads. But I think that, I, again, Morgan gets across this very well. It's hard to also talk about I more than what you guys have already said. So I want to talk about Lindsay. See, everybody's giving like different answers for what Lindsay Seidel character this sounds like. This sounds like Nezuri, but higher pitched for me. I can hear that, yeah. And I think that as as much as I think again, this dub has really expert casting of this is a character that is a high key paired with a low key character. Let's get actresses uh, actors whose voices complement each other. And I think that Lindsay's higher pitch, cutesy, more girly voice, because again, Lindsay does have such a wide range of characters that she plays, um, works very well against Morgan's more low pitched uh, tones. I think that again, like you guys have said, Lindsay got across uh, her the very pixie stick nature of it. <laughs> and I think the thing that I like about Amira is that she is always so happy-go-lucky. Um, I like that she is the the star that keep the star that keeps shining. Um, I never really found her to be an annoying character, and I think Lindsay's performance really helps that. A character like Mira could be very, very much a big turnoff for a lot of people. Uh, but she handles it great. And I realize now that there's another really great scene I want to point out that Morgan handled expertly, and that is with the little girl who doesn't really care to look yeah. through things because she thinks that the stars are are dumb and she the really expert way she does the 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 stars are a time machine yes so yeah again for both of them great work all around let's move into final thoughts starting with jet um so yeah yeah so yeah this is a really solid dub everyone was as everyone was pretty well casted i thought uh, they did a pretty good job of making the characters sound sound fairly distinct for this kind of show and the script and I thought the script was pretty fun and they had a pretty good amount of like natural dialogue to kind of you know uh, help it the uh, back and forth flow and make things uh, come together pretty well um so, uh, the show so, uh, the show it's uh, uh, the show itself is pretty solid again I would admittedly not like a huge like cute girls doing cute things kind of person. <laughs> so so and my so and my, so, so my initial interest with the yeah, so my initial interest in, with the show was in the hope that it actually would kind of lead into the romance angle a little more and I was kinda of little sad that it didn't. But I said but I did but I did learn some like cool new science facts out of it, so 
Learn you some sorry? shit. Yep, sorry. Yeah, sorry about Lee's grand school for that. And I do and I do think that this is at least a solidly executed variant of this particular genre, so yeah, so on that end, I would say this show succeeds, and it is, and, 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 okay, and I mean, and I mean, on a scale of shows going to Kobo and May, this is far, far, far away from the lower tier of their stuff, so, <laughs> so, 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 so if you're into the, so if you're into, if you're into Moe, this is a pretty solid recommendation, so, and, so, and I can definitely recommend them as well. Awesome, Steph. This is a very cute and comfy show. You can just curl up on the couch with some hot chocolate and a nice warm blanket and a sweater, and you can just spend the afternoon watching these cute and adorable girls as I keep pressing fucking spacebar for some fucking reason. Uh, <laughs> sorry! My notebook, like, I have my keyboard flipped up so it's out of the way of stuff, and then my notebook keeps hitting the spacebar, and Twitter is on my one of my monitors and just keeps going... <laughs> Anyway, no, cute, adorable show, so comfy, so chill. Um, the dub is great. I really like it. It it, it doesn't. It, the direction is great. The casting is great. Performances are great. The writing makes all, sense of all of the science jargon that's thrown in there. Um, it's not. It's not overcomplicated. It's not completely dumbed down to a level for for. Poland for baby babies um and it just works so nicely it's so chill and comfy so yeah i would definitely give this show a watch if if um not only if cute girls doing cute things are is your kind of deal but if you're like into chill kind of like comfy little shows and you just need an afternoon for something cozy uh noah yeah, I, I didn't want to use the word cute again because everyone keeps using that. So I went to my shelf and I grabbed my thesaurus to find all the synonyms for the word cute. Oh, and God, they all they apply to the show absolutely. This show is pretty, attractive, adorable, dainty, lovely, and quite beautiful. In not just the uh, calming, um, cute girls sitting around sipping tea, eating cake, and talking about uh, geology and the solar system, but also in the struggles that they go through, the... Uh, anxiety about the future, uh, even the present in Ao's case, it's all very well-trod territory. Uh, kind of like Megan was saying uh, before we started recording, doesn't reinvent the wheel, but it plays that wheel pretty darn well. And uh, this show reminded me of something I, I had kind of forgotten about, was that I actually did also go through a very serious solar system obsession phase in third grade. And I know it was third grade because we each had to pick one subject to do a presentation on in front of the class. And I picked the solar system because I was really into the planets, the asteroid belt, uh, what laid beyond it, the Kuiper belt. So seeing a show that kind of reminded me that, yes, this is actually really interesting. And seeing a show that kind of encourages other uh, younger viewers to take an interest in uh, geology and astronomy is really encouraging to see. Um, it's from what I remember from Megan saying, uh, it probably has a similar fan base to those who really liked A Place Further Than the Universe, a show which I still have yet to see, but sounds like it taps into a similar nerd interest in something as well. So you're not going to find a show that tackles exactly the same subject, but you will find one just as adorable as this. So if you've got a hankering for science and you've watched all of Nova 
but you really want cute girls in your science show instead and Bill Nye's not cute enough for you, put on this show. Put on Asteroid in Love. What? Bill Nye's not cute? I didn't say he wasn't cute. Bill, Bill, Bill. Ow, 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 ow. The science girl. What? Asteroids rule. Jesus Christ. Anyway, so my thoughts on this is that I I like the show a lot. Um, I thought that this show was very cute and I thought the dub was was very, very cute too. Um, I think that they they nailed what the show needed to be. Um, uh, there hasn't really been a lot of really bad dubs that have come out in the last like five or six years. Uh, do I think that this dub might have gotten outclassed by other shows in 2020? Yeah, the last year was a arguably very strong oh, year for dubs, and this year might even be stronger. Um, but um, honestly, I think that everybody involved in this at Okatron did a great job. I think that this is a very easy show to watch. I think that they make the very sciency aspect very easy to palette and i think that to this credit it doesn't give in to a lot of the other moe shows things of high pitching everybody's voices or just making these girls not actually like i think a big trapping of a lot of cute girls doing cute things shows is that they don't ever actually take what they're doing as a serious mm-hmm. thing that passed for the girls and i i like that this show did actually give while the girls could be very laid back, they clearly gave a shit about what they yes. were doing. And I think that was the... I like the message of chasing your dreams, even though it might be hard and you might be fail, because you're... I think in some sense, your fail, the records of your failures could help somebody else succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. If you'd like to watch Astrid and Love, I believe you can watch the sub version, both on Crunchyroll and Funimation, mm-hmm. but you can watch the dub through Funimation. Funimation has also put out a Blu-ray only release of Astron and Love, uh, which you can pick up from retailers such as Bright Stuff uh, and Jeff Bezos's big yellow box of shit. Um, <laughs> I like that. I'm uh, sorry. That's great. Uh, but if you'd like to support us, we are the Dub Talk Podcast. You can follow us here at YouTube at Dub Talk Podcast, as well as follow us on Twitter. Twitch Tumblr is still actively dying or is dead. Uh, please don't perform necromancy. Um, if you would like to support us as a one-time donation, we do have a Ko-fi link below. But if you'd like to support us on a regular, you can go ahead and be our patron. And we'd have, and we wouldn't be anything without our patrons, who include my mom and dad, Michelle, Travis, Miraculous Corazon, Nico, Robin, but with Yowie hands. Sue Tweed and Victor Maborda and our $10 patrons, those were our $5. Our $10 patrons, Carly Lestacow, Crimson Echidna, Jacob Wilson, Jared Hawkins, Julia W, Marissa Lenti, and Otaku Anthony. Uh guys, quickly shout out where you can be found. Side note, Dub Talk's also available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Oh, that too, oh. and we stream on Twitch. Alright. Oh, uh, Go ahead, Jet. Oh, okay. Uh, very quickly, I'm Jet, and you can find me on Twitter at the Vindiga, where I will uh, easily, I guess, be writing about anime or cartoons or movies or like whatever is going on. Um, 
it's a pretty good time. You can also find me on another podcast, Podcast OA, where I'll say where we will be talking about anime news alongside fellow Dub Talk host Andrew. Uh Noah. Hi, my name is Noah Clue. You can follow me on Twitter at Noah Clue, where because I'm a family man with a sixty hour a week work job. I like to post pictures of my kids and everything else I'm doing out in the wide world, as well as talk about animation. And I have to say right now that if you're only watching the Japanese stuff, you're not getting the best. You're missing out. There's some really good stuff out there being made. Go watch Amphibia Season 3. Watch Owl House Season 2. And definitely Noah! go watch Molly McGee on oh, Disney Jesus. Plus right now. Holy No, Jesus. no. You will. It, we, I know we just passed Halloween, but no, go watch The Ghost of Molly McGee. It's really funny. Go watch it. Stephanie. Hello, my name is Stephanie. You also might know me as Lilac. You can follow me on Twitter at Lilac Anime Review with review being spelled R-E-V-U-E. I have a blog, Life and Times of WordPress.com, that I don't I haven't done much with. Uh, I also have been. I am also one of the people that have been streaming on the Twitches. Uh, with, uh, Andrew, we've been playing I, the Somnium Files currently as of recording this, and as of today, I started pl- streaming Animal Crossing because fuck. Oh, no. Because fuck. Oh, no, we lost her the first time we gave No, you, you, you um, lost me when they sent the game to me, like, a year ago. It's just Kim back now. <laughs> this is the year that I lost my dear friend Lilac. Sometimes I can Sometimes still hear, I can voice still hear her voice. I'm not I'm dead. still alive, you know. If only Stephanie were here to see this. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Uh, I'm Megan. You can follow me at Queer 2 where I ship posts on the regular. I also am one of the people who stream on Twitch. Uh, I'm currently still playing through Fire Emblem with Three Houses. Uh, on the Blue Lions route, we've just been taking a break due to some personal stuff in my life. Um, so... With that being said, I think we have stayed up and watched the stars too long and picked up some rocks too late. Let us all go to bed. Yes. Have a good night, everybody. And Otaku on my friends. Have a good night. Good Dream night of everybody. Makoto Shinkai backgrounds. <laughs> good night, everyone. Otaku on. Also, happy birthday to me. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Thanks. Welcome to being old. <laughs> Thanks, I'm 300 a weeb. <laughs>